What's going on, everyone? This is the Dapper Villains Podcast. I am your host, Dana Blue, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jay Such Dave. Jay, what's going on, brother? I'm feeling fantastic, and I'm ready to do this show, brother. It's going to be a good one. We have a very special guest. I could say it's all happening. We got my boy, Justin Hunt. Before we get into the interview, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. You can find our YouTube channel. We have a bunch of additional content over there as well. So subscribe, check it out, follow Dapper Villains, and our Instagram, Jay's doing some killer work on the IG stories with our guests. So be sure to check that out. With that out of the way, Justin, what is going on, brother? It's good to see you. What's up, Data? Thanks for having me, man. It's great to be on the show. Dopest podcast name I've heard all year. Nice. (laughs) I appreciate that. You know, so we we really want to have you on talking about what we talk about on this channel is, you know, that sartorial side of menswear, you know, men's style. And you know that me and you have talked for years about hip hop, hip hop culture. I'm a huge fan, huge fan of your work as well. And I want to talk to you about the role that that we've seen sartorial style sort of creep into hip hop, you know, since the '90s. Because when I when I was growing up, it was I would always relate in my sort of juvenile mind hip hop to street style, but culturally, hip hop style is so huge. And right now, there's so many people in the culture that are just doing great things with with men's style. So no one better to talk about that than you. Appreciate it. Well, I, I definitely know about hip hop. I'm also wearing a black t-shirt. Nice. <laughs> well, you know, so give us your background though, because you weren't always uh, a journalist. I was not. I started my career in finance. Uh, I went to Wofford College, majored in finance, uh, worked in investment banking for six years at Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, uh, started in financial institutions, and then later in global industrials. Uh, it was there that a rapper named Lupe Fiasco came out, and I was so impressed by his uh, talent that I sent. In, I started sending emails to my friends every day at work called Lupe Fiasco's Daily Quotable. And it became a thing with my friends since we were all a bit jaded about uh, where hip hop was, how no matter what region we were in, we were hearing the same songs. You turn on the videos, you MTV every weekend, and it's the same songs everywhere. Uh, and so I, you know, discovered this kid in the Christopher Columbus sense on the internet and wanted to share it with my friends. Mm. And one of my friends said, you know what, you should start a blog. And, uh, you know, boom, everything changed. Nice. Well, let's talk about uh, that financial background for a minute. Because sure. you know, I've never worked in the financial sector, but in the startup world, I work with a lot of finance people. And, you know, style in the finance world seems to be a bit uh, stiff. Yeah, you probably had to wear some suits there, right? Oh, 100%. You know, uh, spent a lot of time shopping at Pink, um, Brooks Brothers quite a bit. Um, I probably have, I don't know, I, I still have a few suits in there. I probably have eight or nine different suits in here. A couple of Boss suits, a couple of Banana Republic suits, things all over the range. Uh, it depends on, you know, starting my career, a $300 suit was quite a bit. You know, you're, I didn't necessarily have all the cash on hand all the time for it. Yeah. Expenses are pretty high in New York. Um, but there's nothing better than having a great tailored, you know, high fashion suit that's built for you. Yeah. And yeah. so there's a ton of that all over the street. Did you get any? Did you get any custom tailored suits? I did. I got a, I got two custom uh, Hugo Boss suits that are still in there. They, uh, they don't quite fit the same way. I'm a little 
stockier, we'll say, <laughs> than uh, before. So I have to take him back. I have been, man. Before, you know, I'm really upset that Corona messed up my uh, my gym regimen. It's really the only thing that's been a drawback during this mm-hmm. refresh. Um, but you know, just like a crisp suit in general, one for every season. You know, like you get a nice, you know, linen suit for. You know, I grew up in the South, so there's a whole lot of linen suits in the in the spring and summertime and fall where it's super uh, humid. You forget how many different ways, you know, fabric can align to your body type and your temperature. I happen to sweat a lot. Uh, so I was very particular in when it comes to different fabrics and patterns. Yeah, and especially uh, we can relate to the humidity in the, uh, in the heat in, uh, here in Thailand because it is, it's a little warm living in the tropics it looks like it's warm <laughs> oh it definitely is <laughs> i'm in an aircon room so i can wear whatever so it's like uh, especially with the COVID 19 my body is back to my 2001 body so i can fit in my old okay. suits better <laughs> <laughs> so, congratulations <laughs> that's cool yeah, yeah, I mean, I brought some, some, I brought some the, dumbbells. The, I just keep them down in the studio, so downstairs in the uh, design uh, studio. So every day, I probably bust out like 200 reps of uh, curls. So like every day is now arm day. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> scary. <laughs> that, that seems like a seems like a new mutant, not even an X Men, just like a new mutant, one of the scary ones with the crazy <laughs> disproportionate bodies. <laughs> I, know, I mean, I tried to. It's just I, getting bigger and bigger. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that's the case for everybody, <laughs> every male inside during COVID. Right. <laughs> I, I know you, you, you shifted career now, but, um, yeah. and you don't really have to wear suits now, but if you had to pick one, what would be your favorite custom tailor suit when you were doing your banking years? My favorite one? Um, I like pink quite a bit, you know, I think I, I end up spending, I end up getting two Cuba ball suits just because of the name to be honest, um, and they're popular on the floor. But um, I think pink actually does a pretty good job on the custom side of things. And I'm not sure how many people really know them for that, but they were, you know, That's a good I mean, that was, yeah, it was almost, I mean, it was, uh, let's say I was at the bank, what, 03 to 09. So it was definitely one of the more popular ones. Um, and I think that they have, like their color palettes are always fresher every season, right? Mm-hmm. So every time, every time um, you know, the next season was coming up, they were a little bit ahead of, you know, maybe some of the other brands that were, were out at the same time. So I, I tend to like their color palettes a lot. I think on the custom side, their service has always been great. Um, so yeah. Oh, so I, you I got your, your custom pieces also from Pink? Yeah, also from Pink. Because they had, there's another section that they had or another, location that they had where they did you know a lot of their custom work um but still coming from the same from the same brand because i i bet like a guy like you i could create so many fun custom linings for you like that wall that you have on on your regular show where it's all vinyl records imagine that in your suit as linings that'd be dope right yes yes i mean um i mean we'll talk after after i would i would quote kanye here uh, and say that I'm dope and I do dope shit. That's why. <laughs> Word up. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You know, one of the reasons my my uh, moniker is the company man, it was developed out of fear. I was writing at work, so I didn't want to get fired. Mm. And I didn't want my friends mm. to know that I was, you know, doing something creative. I was scared of accidental dream killers. But 
largely because I also kind of felt like a company man sitting in an office slaving away for someone else's tax break. Uh, but when I first started writing about rap, every time I went out, I had on a tie, a blazer. Uh, sometimes I wear, you know, a suit with just different types of kicks, type of flair. And where I am now in my career, I'm thinking about bringing it back. But it's tough because LA is such a laid back, relaxed sound and the weather changes so fast. So like you could, you know, it'll feel, you know, 60 degrees and then it'll feel 80 degrees and then it'll feel, you know, 65 degrees. So uh, there's nothing fresh about sweating through a suit. No, not, not at all. But that's where you get back to not that linen, that, that sort of tropical wool, maybe some blends. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, but, I mean, but that's uh, that's the next thing. I think I'm going to break out some of these, uh, you know, more of my, uh, you know, my my suit collection here. And there, there's a brand in right LA that, that I, I think you, you would like because he combined sartorial world with streetwear in, in such a unique way. It's called Rich Fresh. It's actually oh, yeah. in LA. And I think uh, that's, that's a brand you might dig. Word up. I'll check him out. I've had a couple of people mention him. Uh, a couple of people were executives and, and different uh, publishing houses and platforms uh, who mentioned him. And uh, I haven't actually tried him on. Maybe I'll go check him out. Yeah, Our second like episode, we had a guest on named uh, Jay Gatz, who's a yeah. huge fan. He he runs the Instagram of Real Black Menswear, and uh, okay. he's a huge Rich Fresh fan. And Rich Fresh is doing some very refreshing things in the uh, the menswear world. That's what's up. So let, let's start talking about hip hop. And I, I think, um, I know, you, so you left banking, you were blogging, you ended up at Hip Hop DX. Was that, that was your first jump, right? Like, Kind of, sort of. You know, I spent, I left in 09. I spent three years broke in New York making zero dollars. Fortunately, I had money saved leaving the bank. Um, but uh, I, the first platform publication that I was editor-in-chief of was called Brooklyn Bodega. Mm. And Brooklyn Bodega put on the largest hip hop festival in the city at that time. And uh, they allowed me to basically stack reps uh, by coming up with a content strategy for the website. It's the first time I ever had to hire a staff, first time I had to, you know, mm. divvy out assignments. Uh, but it was pivotal because at that point, that was the first time that I wrote for a platform or a brand that was bigger than my own blog. Mm. And I, that's how I got into radio. They had a radio show and the founder of the organization became too busy to host a show every week. Uh, so because the festival was coming up, he had to put everything together for the event and they let me sit in the seat and then they let me keep it. And so I ended up getting all kinds of additional radio reps, live talking reps. I have a terrifying, petrifying fear of public speaking. So that helped me break through a lot of those barriers, a lot of those walls. And I found out, how to entertain myself sitting in a room alone. You know, like it was a three hour show. I'm there by myself. How do I have something to talk about? Um, which ultimately, a lot of those reps, a lot of those different angles and, and, and different ways to have a conversation turned into things like the breakdown or they turned into things like, you know, this debate down this new show that I'm doing with MERS or just different ways to write articles. I definitely know what it's like to sit in a studio by yourself and have to entertain an audience for three hours. And I also know what it's like to be in a studio with 14 different artists at the same time, all vying, all fighting for a chance to get on the microphone. So it was pivotal. Um, <clears throat> and that process, learning truly how web publishing worked is one of the reasons that Hip Hop DX was willing to take a chance on me at that point in time. I had relationships. Um, the articles I was doing on the site were one of the two most read 
I was one of the two most read authors on the publication. Um, and I had started hosting and producing events in New York City. So when they were looking for a new editor in chief, especially one that could help forward their brand on the ground in Los Angeles, uh, it worked out. I mean, we met when uh, you were still at Hip Hop DX, and I remember mm -hmm. conversations we had about you thinking of leaving. And, <laughs> right, right, right. You know, we were talking about that, and um, that was sort of the, it was it was strange because I mean I think most people would have been like, oh, I'm it's at the peak right now. Like like I can mm -hmm. see like there, there's other heights to what you were doing. And mm. when me and you talked, I was like, you could do so much more on your own. And yeah. I remember how apprehensive you were. You know, it's tough because that's literally my, I'm the type of guy who has a series of dream jobs. Mm. I've never had one thing I wanted to be when I grew up. I've got like a lot of things. I wanted to work in investment banking. I wanted to write about rap music. I wanted to run a large hip hop publication. So this is one of my dream jobs, to be perfectly honest. And so that pull was there the entire time. I'm emotionally connected to Hip Hop DX because that's the first rap website that I loved. You know, it's not the first one I ever saw, but it's definitely at the beginning of, you know, blogging in general. The platform was started in 1998. Uh, but it's the first one I loved. It had all my favorite writers on it. I discovered in the Christopher Columbus sense so many different artists that have stuck with me since then yeah. through their commentary. And so, you know, I found myself in a situation where is my dream job killing my mental health? Which is why that, that battle was so tough. You know, it was a it was point where I felt, did I leave the bank to start writing about rap to run Hip Hop DX? Or did I leave the bank to start writing about rap to become the greatest rap writer of all time? And mm -hmm. so in that sense, it looked like, it, <laughs> in that sense, it felt like a step along the way rather than a final destination. And uh, that's ultimately why I ended up leaving. Yeah, I think it was the right choice. I mean, you went on to, you know, make some, your content really elevated, you know, when you, when you left and it was already at like probably the highest spot in, in hip hop at the time, at least in hip hop journalism, like the, the content you were making and then it went up a notch. Yeah, it was pretty, it was unique at that point in time because people weren't doing breakdowns yet. Everything no. was still interview based shows. Everything was, which celebrity can we get in here to sit down? Um, who's going to say something salacious? How can we enter the conversation off mm. of the most viral worthy whatever? Mm. And uh, one thing that I learned from Charlemagne, he's from South Carolina too. And um, one thing he always said was, if you need a guest for your show, you don't have a show. And so he said that in maybe 2013 or 14. And I took that as a mission mm. because at that same time, the mantra was still, excuse me, the mantra was still shorter content, the better content. You know, people don't have long attention spans. Just go ahead and get them in two, three minutes or something like that. And it never made sense to me because I'd go to the gym and I see people watching Netflix on the treadmill. Yeah. If it's dope, they'll lock in. And so those two things, one, everybody is sitting here with interview-based shows. We didn't have a reputation for video at all. So mm -hmm. we had room to experiment. And the fact that I just personally feel like people will watch dope content anywhere. Let's see how far we can extend what's essentially a news brief hmm. um, and bring it into a bigger conversation. There's a journalist, his name is Torre, T-O-U-R-E. Yeah. And he is my idol. I mean, he's at this point, 
I'm honored to call him a friend and a mentor in a lot of ways. Um, but he, to me, is the best ever because he was, he maximized uh, his opportunities in print, online journalism, radio, and then eventually television on a show called uh, The Cycle on MSNBC. Mm. And it wasn't even about hip hop. It was just a news politics show. So he was able to take it that far while never losing who he was. And one thing he mentioned was that the challenge with that show, because that show is no longer on, one of the reasons that it was canceled is because it was a weekly wrap up show. Mm. And they spent too much time, you know, recapping things that everyone had already seen not enough time expounding on why they're important. And that ended up being a pivotal shift with uh, the breakdowns because the one, the last one that was sort of like that, that we did was, is Lean Killing Little Wayne. Hmm. And I mean, maybe it's a 14 minute video, 12 minute video, probably six or seven is talking about what happened that week. And the most powerful parts of it came at the end with Ritz talking about his addictions, Royce the 5'9 talking about his addictions, the power of being, power of sobriety and once he said that then it was like okay that makes a lot of sense we'll flip everything around go evergreen and that's when you get Tupac and De La Soul's Forgotten Rat Beef that's when you get um is Red Man the Goat that's when you get uh, how to be Drake and a rap beef and mm. so that process uh flipped the conversation and ultimately we ended up being ahead of uh, hip-hop in that regard mm. now everyone's got a breakdown show and a lot of them tried to call it the breakdown, uh, but they all, <laughs> but anytime I talk to anyone who does anything, they all uh, talk about the influence that we had as a team in, in creating that product. So I'm proud of it. I remember the, uh, I didn't see the first breakdown when it came out. I think I might have like jumped on the bandwagon, like episode three or something, three or four. And There's a lot of breakdowns people never saw, man. Like we started making breakdowns. Whenever Jay-Z and Solange got into that fight in the elevator, that's the first breakdown. <laughs> right? And nobody was watching these things. I mean, these no. things were getting like 50 views, 1,000 views, you know. Um, you, you so there's a lot like, of them yeah. <laughs> that you probably did see. You talked about like the uh, like Hip Hop DX was the first like rap platform or hip hop platform that you loved. For me, it was the same. Like that was the first like hip-hop platform that i really enjoyed and like the same as you learned about so many artists through it but the same token hip-hop dx was the first uh platform that i really in hip-hop that i really despised like i had like a love-hate thing with a lot of the time and for, for a lot of the reasons you said it was it, a lot of their content was really sort of salacious at some points like you would read it and I'd be like oh, this is garbage and like mm -hmm. why, why did i just spend 10 minutes reading this and I remember when I saw the first breakdowns, it was like, a, I think the first one I saw might have been like 11 minutes, right? Which at the time was that we're talking like 2017, I guess, 2016. And um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, 2016 and, uh, probably. That, that was a very long video at the time. Everyone was like, you said they were like three minutes and people aren't going to watch more than three minutes. I was like, an 11 minute right. video. Let me see what's going on. And the, the, this host, you, gave this incredibly like articulate you know nuanced sort of like one-sided but like playing devil's advocate with yourself conversation and and really broke down what was there and i was like enthralled i was like this is amazing yeah so i, le I left this long comment i was just like you know, if, if Justin, like you put all this time into this piece of content, that's amazing. Like I said, it was so nuanced and so 
you know, so balanced and there's something like it wasn't very hip hop DX ish at the time, like at least in the way that I was experiencing hip hop DX. And so I was like, I'm going to leave this, this comment just cause like, it, it's so nuanced. It's like, I just want to give, you know, feedback and add to the conversation. Cause I felt like that's what you were, you were building. And mm -hmm. you actually wrote me back. Like the guy who did the comment from hip hop DX wrote me back in the comments. And I, that was kind of like the start of our friendship. Like we just started talking over that. A hundred percent, man. I remember that, you know, that, you know, that was a tough time. I'd say probably to run any publication, but definitely to run a rap publication. Discovery was moving away from websites. Yeah. Discovery was now taking place on Spotify or YouTube. So, and the music section is what drew, drove a lot of the traffic to all, to all yeah. of us. Um, and at that point in time too, Complex was throttling ad revenue to their owned and operated because they're preparing for their acquisition by Verizon, but wasn't telling anybody. Mm. So that was tough. And you have a publication like DX that was older than most in the space. So there was different, um, you know, balance sheet considerations that came along with that. Mm. And at the same time, we we're being asked to innovate, find ways to compete in this environment. Didn't have the same technical capabilities as most of our competitors, we didn't have an app, we didn't have a streaming platform, we didn't have charts, we didn't have a lot of easy winning stuff. And so, and as a result, there became a lot of pressure to put out different articles that, you know, touched on some of the more salacious things that were happening just to yeah. stay, you know, in the conversation. And one of the things, and I understood that, you know, and um, it was a, I was editor in chief at that time. So there was a conscious decision in how to play this space. One of the things that was tough was that we we're known as a news website. Mm -hmm. So if you go to the front page, there's 15 uh, different articles sitting in that news box. So primarily we're going to be known for the news that we're covering. Mm -hmm. um, you don't necessarily see the interviews in the same way. You don't see the editorials in the same way. So our brand was shifting. Um, and I definitely had a, a role, a play, a, I played a role in that. My gamble was, okay, we need to just make sure we're not losing traffic because if we can build uh, communities through our YouTube opportunity, if we can get some um, quality conversations in the, the part that's growing the fastest, that's most active that we don't see other platforms engaging in, then we'll end up winning bigger in the long run because people will come to us thinking everything is gonna be like the breakdown. We'll have things, all the breakdowns were evergreen, so they're always stacking, mm. um, you know, viewers every, <laughs> just just in general. And then now we can take the breakdown stuff, those types of conversations, and begin to experiment with those angles in the news. Mm. Um, but, you know, ultimately I think it worked out. You know, we'll say that. For sure, and I mean, it launched you into bigger and better things, like, like we talked about, so. Yeah. It's all happening. Good all around. It's all happening. <laughs> now, I, I want to get into um into the menswear side of hip hop because you yes. you've obviously interacted with a lot. I know you were you're not still at Empire, right? But you were. No, yeah, I just I just left Empire in January. Yeah. Uh, big shout out to everybody in the organization. I I can't remember the last time I was ever in a building with so many brilliant people in entertainment, mm. and they truly are doing some. Uh, progressive artist first mm. uh, you know strategies and uh, they're gonna be really successful for a long time and so i mean you've been around like you've seen the the styles come and go over the years of writing as an investment banker about hip-hop mm. all the way to editor-in-chief working 
PR, content, and empire, ambrosia for heads, mm -hmm. all of that. And uh, so I know that usually you don't have answers to questions, but hopefully today you'll have some answers to our menswear questions. So we'll, <laughs> we'll jump into it. <laughs> Word up. Let's try it. Let's try it. Let's see where I'm at. So um, <laughs> like with, with the sartorial side of menswear, I was thinking back to this. And when did I first start to see that fold into hip hop? When did I notice it? And for me, it was Diddy. It was the first artist I remember rocking out in a suit in his videos in person. You see him on the news. He was wearing a suit. And like, I, I was trying to think back, is there anything earlier that, that I can reference? And, you know, I, I knew, I definitely, I'd listened to the roots before, before I ever heard of Diddy. And I, I've always thought of Black Thought as a guy who's very kind of, uh, to use Jay's favorite word, spreads a Torah, like very has effortless style. He always looks mm -hmm. good. And, but I went back and looked at like some references and he didn't look like that when I was listening to the roots before Diddy. <laughs> so that, that's my take on it. And I, I'd love to know, like, when do you think it started to sort of seep in and, and who was first? Um, it's, it's, you know, it's funny. I think whenever, when people get money, that's when they're, you know, their, their tastes elevate. We'll mm. say, I, you know, I think if you look at a lot of gangster rap stuff, let's say ghetto boys, right? I mean, there's a lot of album covers where people are wearing, you know, big, looks like Godfather style suits. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you see them on stage. They weren't, maybe they weren't necessarily rocking that way. Mm. Uh, but there's a lot of suits. There was a lot of gangster imagery that did include some, you know, high tailored fashion. If you look at Biggie, Biggie was wearing suits all the time. You yeah. know, um, and even if it wasn't suits, his whole style definitely had an elegance to it. Um, and I'm sure that was Diddy's influence, but he wore it well and he was really comfortable mm -hmm. in it. Uh, I think when you get to the shiny suit era in the late 90s, I think that's when there became a standard to a degree. Yeah. You know, I think I think you expected people to really put on at the award shows in a different types of way. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's when you would go to a rap show and expect costume changes in a different kinds of way. So I tend to look at that space, you know, um, 97, 98, 99, and forward to where it became everybody except for the South, um, yeah. and then everybody else jumped on to. Yeah, I mean, Master take a group P like Outkast. <clears throat> yeah, Master P, but take a group like Outkast, right? Like I don't, you know, Andre 3000, I think is someone everybody would agree has incredible effortless style. Hmm. Um, he was pushing a lot of margins that almost seemed cartoonish or costumish um, that I now see as I now see like, you know, walking down Fairfax. Um, and so I think that he was able to push some of these fringe, more centric um, concepts into, you know, more traditional tutorial type style type, you know, um, culture. Uh, Andre is a great one because you know, Three Stacks does always have that effortless elegance about him. And, uh, you know, when, when you think about, but at the time, like you said, that was, it was kind of cartoonish. When I think to, uh, I, I think back to like anything Outcast, especially the, the double album, uh, Speaker Box, Love Below. And like that whole section of videos, probably some of my favorite videos from hip hop and his style in each and every one of those videos is just, outrageous for the time mm -hmm. but you look at it today and every single one of those elements like you said is is sort of in the mainstream uh lexicon for 
right. in menswear. You know, I think I think we'd be remiss not to include Dapper Dan, of course. Mm. You know, yeah. I, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, now it's I think he made the best come up ever. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. he's arguably making custom, arguably bootleg stuff so long that now, <laughs> yeah, you know, he's they the, came to him. Go off this game for sure. He's yeah. the goat. You know, so if you look at old Rakim videos. I no joke, you know, these cats are wearing Dapper Dan in the mm. videos. You mm. know, it may not be as traditional, but, you know, he is, uh, I, I don't, I can't think of an era of hip hop, an artist in hip hop from the East Coast that didn't, uh, when they were putting on, wasn't putting on Dapper Dan. Mm. You know, the other the other name that always comes to mind for me is uh, Jay-Z, when I think of like that that sort of uh, that very sartorial side of menswear is, I, and again, I went back and looked at reference and went back through his, his video catalog as well. And it, and it wasn't always that way. It just happens to be the way he cemented in my mind. And um, I, I remember watching one of the first uh, Jay-Z videos I ever remember seeing was, um, it was actually a Jermaine Dupri video, Money Ain't a Thing. Money Ain't a Thing. I love horrible, that. That was on both their song. I love that song. That was on. That was on both their albums. I think was that was on. Both on their albums? It was. It was on. Was that volume two? I think it's volume two for Jay Z, and then fourteen ninety one. I think the the album was for JD. So, so the thing. Come is, on, you didn't like that song? That's so a great I like song. Jay, I like Jay Z's verse. I, I think JD uh, ruins that song. Uh, well, you know, he's not a rapper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um but like there's nothing sartorial in that video they're wearing like t-shirts like they're, they're really streets like streetwear style right and um mm. and then i start to look at like so so where does it shift for jay-z and, and it didn't happen till, till quite a bit later that he started to, to take on more of that sort of uh executive sartorial feel in his videos and his day-to-day -day life where if you look at one of my favorite uh songs and videos um ever is otis jay-z and uh kanye okay um, nice nice excess in a great recession i yes. see where your heart is <laughs> <laughs> everyone lose their house let's fuck up a bentley <laughs> was it bentley or was that a maserati I feel... either one i think it was a bentley but but i, I mean know. that's a great song. it's a great it, song it is, it's a great song though it, it is message wise it is incredibly out of touch but <laughs> As far as like, like I just I love the song, the hook on that song, everything about that song, it resonates. And um, but even his style there looks much more street, but very refined, you know. And there there was this shift somewhere that happened, and you know, at, then we're talking about like Diddy, Jay Z, those are the guys at the top. And um, but I think about like like who's on the come up and who who does it the best and jay-z looks good and it was the video he did with in the louvre with uh beyonce where he's wearing that like uh moth yeah. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. jay loves that suit he bought the same jacket <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i mean if you check out his rock nation brunch i mean there's i mean that is like mecca for yeah. modern tutorial style i always think of change clothes mm. you know change clothes rock and boys. go um, that song changed clothes. That happened. That song came out, I guess, a couple of years after I'd finished college and I was living in New York and working at the bank. And everybody wanted to go to Supper Club on Fridays. Fridays, yeah. Supper Club was nothing but the flyest black people, Hotep Central. Everything was amazing, right? And you, there was 
so many clubs you couldn't get into mm. if you didn't have the right shoes on. You couldn't wear sneakers to the club at that mm. point in time. Um, you couldn't wear Steve Madden's. They couldn't be fashion sneakers. Wow. You could have the most exclusive pair of kicks and you couldn't get into a lot of clubs in that, um, in that entire area era. And mm. I think a lot of that as a lot of the most popular artists were maturing, but also getting more respect as, uh, you know, cultural importance, gaining more cultural importance, right? To where I think that also started introducing a more refined look right because mm. that song changed clothes these literally tell you put some different clothes on man you can't be wearing your throwbacks no more <laughs> can't be wearing oversized everything and yeah. go to china club jay terrace on fridays you know what i mean so um i think that was or thursdays i think it was uh, but i look at that era as when there was a broader shift i mean you have kanye west come in right after that or right around that time he's, he was around before that but he's coming into his own as a solo artist in 2004 and that whole first look was polo down blazers with jeans. You know what I mean? Like that is a step right there. That's before you get to, you know, cats who are wearing um, Gucci slides or, mm. you know, whatever that you see more commonly or more common now. Um, but that whole era is when I look at the shift from, okay, they're not just doing it for album covers. It's not just happening on mm. stage or performances. And most importantly, now it's bleeding into the style that, you know, consumers are going after. I mean, that the blazer jean look is classic, but it wasn't at that point in time. Mm. The only, per, only people I really saw do that were some of my Southern friends' dads at the barbecue every now and again and Zach Morris on Saved by the Bell. It really wasn't that many other people rocking that look. Does, you know, anyone, Kanye. does anyone ever show up in a zoot suit in a, in a breakfast something? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have not seen one uh, this decade. Will it ever come back? <laughs> <laughs> right? Let's hope not. No, but, um, <laughs> but uh, I was not really a big fan. But, uh, no, but, no, but um, it is really something everybody in... in uh, my, all of my customers, uh, they want to, like, a zoot suit is something they, they wish never happened for some reason, <laughs> and nobody yeah. wants to talk about it. And I'm, I'm always bringing zoot suits up because <laughs> it requires a lot of fabric and it means more profit for me. Uh. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> that's a, I hope that's it a comes very back. good reason. <laughs> Let's see. We'll, we shall see. <laughs> Jay's whole business is, is fabric. So he's like, oh, yeah, you should do double-breasted suits with a super wide peak lapels. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I, you know, I've run into people all the time who um, – I can't think of it. Is it? It's not alligator. It's not snake. There's some crazy type of uh, amphibian texture that's blowing up, and people stingray. are wearing all these jackets. What is it? Stingray. Yeah, that's it. So I see all these people ordering these these uh, this fabric so that they can either make them here or they get them straight straight from Asia. Uh, you know, so you know, yeah, maybe you should get into the stingray fabric game. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, but yeah, I look at I look at that era like that 2004, 2005, you know, Kanye, new artist, underground, mm. Louis backpack with a blazer and some yeah. throwback Jordans, Jay-Z saying change clothes, you know, you know, put on a suit, get a taper, you know, get, get uh, your tapers right, um, as when it became, okay, and 
also not being able to go into a lot of clubs with the wrong outfit on. I think that was the perfect storm to where, okay, we're just going to elevate in general. I, I can remember uh, the, the early dot-com era or the, the end of the dot-com era when I was in, in the startup space in Boston. So like 99 to 01. And a, a lot of like the clubs were, were kind of the same way in Boston for, for no reason. Cause Boston's not a city where you should expect that. But if you, if you didn't have hard bottoms on, if you, if you weren't looking, you know, Chris, you, you weren't getting in places. And obviously in the dot com space, we didn't roll like that. And uh, it, it just, it, it was this thing where like th there became this whole scene around like, yeah, you could dress your best and go to these clubs or like all the dot-com people who have fake money go to these other spots. And uh, <laughs> like when I say fake money, like we didn't know the end was coming and all of us had equity only. So we were all broke. Right. right we in a company right. cash that, that didn't exist. <laughs> pets.com. Yeah. Pets.com. Yeah. Pets.com. So actually the company I worked for at the end was a big Amazon backed uh, startup. Oh, and, wow. uh, yeah, I worked in their Boston office and uh, did not go well at the end. But yeah, was, uh, I remember like right. people used to show up in like winter time in, Bo in New York, Boston, where you got rough winters, and mm. it could be January, minus twenty degrees out, snowing, and people are waiting to get into the club. They don't bring a jacket; they're just wearing a suit, right? And like you, you'd go down like Lansdowne, which was like this uh, club street. It's where Fenway is in Boston. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, girls would be out in, like, cocktail dresses, snowing out, sitting on, like, waiting in line. Dudes are wearing, like, a, a suit jacket. And, like, it's clearly not a winter weight. And they're, like, they're just waiting to get in. There's no coat check? Y'all don't have coat check in Boston? I don't know. Man. I, I always remember there being a coat check. But I, didn't, and <laughs> I just always stuck in my mind, like, people out there not wearing coats. Those, that's, the bridge, that's the bridge and tunnel crowd. Yeah. They don't know what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> they're like i left my coat in the car why'd i do that there's a coat check right there <laughs> yeah but you know i think like to today's like style world one of the people who sticks out to me a lot is um i like future the way future dresses and future is so highly ranked all the time like future is top five top ten on mm. any uh you know best dress list in hip-hop i think he does a great job of uh uh, he I, I, he walks that line really well between urban and street, but also yeah. uh, That's what I like very, about it. yeah, like it's, it's, it's universal in that sense. You know, and I always get hate from people when I was like, you know, I, I'm not the biggest mumble rap guy, but I really like, like face off is a song I can fuck with. Right. Like, like I, I did right. that song. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> to, to use a Justin, uh, to use a Justin uh, phrase, it's smoke and ride ready. It is. It's that, that is very important. Yeah, you know, yeah, but, like but a song is only as good. A song is only as good as the number of places you can use it. You know, right? And that's a but. Like his style is always, and it's very effortless. Like he has that sprezzatura sort of feel to him, in that he he always looks. He's on the dapper side of of style, and like, but he's also like you said, he's walking that line with street style. And, you know, he's not like, a, we interviewed uh, Natty Adams, who's a good friend of Jay's. He's the author of a book called uh, I Am Dandy. And like mm -hmm. Andre 3000 would be what Natty calls a, a dandy with a capital D, right? Like he's turning up all the time. Mm -hmm. Like he's just always a, a thousand percent where future is kind of like a, a lowercase d dandy. 
and he always looks so good. Right. I'm not sure how he would respond to that description, but <laughs> I know he would take it as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of guys in Atlanta want to be called Dandy. No, but, you <laughs> I know, know what you mean, though. Yeah, it's, he, he just the lowercase d dandy but uh, you know he's uh yeah I, and he i get the feeling like if he's out eating some uh lemon pepper flats he, he's he's rocking some type of like really satorial thing or if he's going to an award show it could be the same outfit yeah i think he does a great job i think young thug too i don't young know thug if you guys are keeping up with young thug but he and he has the willingness to go extreme like andre 3000 like he'll put on a dress yeah. You know what I mean? And it'd be like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but he has, his style reminds me quite a bit of Futures mm. uh, in a lot of ways, too. Uh, he's always, just always super clean. Uh, the only excess is just the shines coming off of his diamonds. And everything also seems to have a purpose. You know, like there isn't, you know, uh, suspenders for no reason. You mm. know what I mean? There isn't, uh, you know, uh, like his, he's not, wearing you know cufflinks for no reason you know mm -hmm. what i mean like when he does everything is really custom at the same time and he also has a great balance between uh, urban and then also just just super super clean you know what yeah. i mean like i like his style more than i like his albums and i like his albums more as time goes on so yeah he's uh trending in the right direction yeah he's one of those guys that uh musically sonically he definitely it, it, it marinates. It's one of those things that just, it marinates and it's better. You know, yeah. You yeah. know, I look, I'm a Bone Thugs and Harmony fan. I don't know if they ever made it to the tutorial side of things. No. East 99 is my favorite album, but, uh, um, you know, I think stylistically, Young Thug reminds me quite a bit of them, too. You know, like, I don't quite know what they're saying. I like the way they're saying it enough to, I'm going to go look at what they're saying, and now I like it more, and now I'm stuck, you know? Mm. Yeah, I was always a big Bone Thugs fan. And when I, when I ended up living in Cleveland, which was right before I moved to Asia, everyone talks about Bone Thugs in Cleveland. And, like, they, they know where they grew up. And, like, there's people who knew them from the block. Mm -hmm. Like, our boy Eric, who uh, lives here in Bangkok, he, he talks about them. He's a Cleveland guy, you know. And But, yeah, no, they, they were not – Cleveland's not really a satorial town. Yeah. <laughs> Shaking his head. <laughs> It's Cleveland. <laughs> we're not Detroit. Yeah. We're not Detroit. Yeah, we're not Detroit. I love those videos. <laughs> Hastily made uh, Cleveland tours of videos. Who the fuck still uses a payphone? <laughs> this trade is taking jobs out of Cleveland. <laughs> we're not Detroit. <laughs> there was a I do one quick side note. I did watch this thirty-minute video on. Cleveland's unfinished subway stations, mm. which was fascinating to me. They had plans in like the early 1900s to build a subway system throughout the city. Yeah. And then cars came out and they said, nah. <laughs> and they just stopped. Yeah. And they never built anything. Some of those stations unofficial. That's what this that's what this video showed me. I yeah. was like, man, Cleveland, not Detroit. Not Detroit. <laughs> Jay, you know, you haven't been to the Midwest, right? I have been, I mean, Chicago, oh, no, I'm sorry about that. No. I don't get called Jay all the time, too. Well, <laughs> sorry. Utah, Utah be considered Midwest? No. U Utah's a different country. Not at all. Yeah. It's not even America. It's more. You can have a bunch of, you can marry a bunch of women in Utah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why Jay likes Utah. He's like, I'm going back to Utah. I got like seven wives. 
<laughs> Mormon porn has been my favorite type of porn since uh, COVID-19. I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. You fit right in. <laughs> no, I went there. I went there. But it, 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 it was cool, though. I mean, Salt Lake City was very much like um, European city with old churches, buildings and stuff. Like, I mean, it's not old, but it's yeah, no, they, they designed to look like old. Last week. <laughs> <laughs> They had just tore down some new ones to build some new ones so we have jobs. Yeah. <laughs> That's when I first uh, had my beer, uh, my bucket list ticked because I had my first beer with a redneck. And uh, uh, yeah, I was like, can I have a selfie, please? He was like, what's a selfie? And first of all, what's with the man bun? <laughs> I have a man bun. And that's, yeah, that was quite oh, man. No, so that's not the Midwest. No, <laughs> that's not the Midwest. That's the uh, mountain region. region. Yeah. yeah, I guess it's you could list a plain states. Is it okay? No, I'm it's, not going there. No, no, I've never been there. Kansas, Omaha, it's close. Missouri. To yeah, I guess it's mountain. Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska's plains. I, I did um, undergrad in Kansas, but like Western Kansas. What's like what town? Which uh, was the school? Western Kansas. Yeah, Fort Hayes. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. I've never been to Kansas. Yeah, don't go. Is it's I have no desire. Like there's yeah. so many places that I'm like, mm, I'm gonna have to get stuck there. Or I'm gonna have to know someone who decided they're gonna get married there. Yeah. We're just gonna go on a drive and we happen to go through there. But I'm not getting on the plane, take off and land there. That makes no sense to me. No, and actually I had to fly into Colorado to go to uh Hayes. So I had to fly to down uh, there and drive to to Hayes. But yeah, no, it's actually you know it's weird because uh, I grew up on the east coast in Rhode Island. Uh, so small, so highly, so high density population wise. I'd never even thought about like that there could be unincorporated land in a state. And the, there was a kid at the school and where I was like, when we met, I'm like, oh, where are you from? He's like, oh, like maybe like 40 minutes outside of Hayes. I'm like, oh, what, what town is that? He's like, no, no town. I'm just 40 minutes outside of Hayes. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but you've got to live like in a town or a city or something. He's like, no, yeah. like I live on a farm. We're about 40 minutes outside of Hayes. No town. <laughs> like, you know, this is how it is. Like, I had like, it like broke my brain to think like, what? No, it's, it's got to be related to it. He's like, no, it's just, he's like unincorporated land. It's just farmland. My nearest neighbor is about 20 minutes away. God damn. Do they have, do they have broadband? No. I mean, not back then, but, you know, now I wonder <laughs> if they even have broadband now. Probably not. <laughs> they used to have, like, um, they used to have radio connections, like uh, microwave connections to build, like, these sort of, like, really weak sort of networks. See, that's, the, like that's why I'm, Americans don't have access to broadband. Right. That and that is the problem. With, that's the problem when you have privatized ISPs. I don't think the ISPs should be able to do that. I, uh, I think everybody should have connections. Like, these, there's a whole bunch. I mean, there's a ton of stories of uh, major internet service providers uh, lobbying local governments mm. to stop municipal broadband because municipal broadband is cheaper and way faster. Yeah. <laughs> that, and that lets you know, you know, while we, you know, we, we have room to tweak some things here. I was an engineer for one of the largest uh, telecom companies in the U.S. for an ISP uh, for years and years. And again, like you talked about your dream job, like for me as an engineer, as a technologist, that was one of my dream jobs was working on like the back end of the internet. 
and you know their their approach to policy and, and governance and all these things killed it for me like mm. as someone who who really values access to information is part of like one of my core tenants and you know to see them again lobby against municipal broadband talk about net neutrality doesn't need to be a thing that happened after i left but you know is you know a dream job technically like something that was very challenging and very interesting was ruined by policy yeah i mean they are profiting off people's pain daily and i think it's unfair for them to be able to sell content hmm. so how can you sell content but We're also you you're Comcast. the only person <laughs> right and i mean all of them yeah. you know all of them do it verizon's got complex they've got a bunch of yep. content houses that they've acquired how can you sell your own content spectrum spectrum is trying to get me to sign up for all their stupid <laughs> stuff every day and i'm like no man i barely like y'all at all if there was another option i'd probably take it yeah. but i think i don't think you should be able to sell content on one hand yeah. and throttle yeah. throttle the competition on the other i mean that's mm. what are we doing <laughs> like exactly. is this not is this not important yeah. can you imagine being one of the 40 million homes without broadband during you know yeah. covid 19 like, a lot of Playboy magazines. What are you doing? Through. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, Busting uh, grandpa's like, old stash out of the barn. All the all the dusty seventies, <laughs> you the know, bush. Right. <laughs> not, the the not so trim nineteen seventies. <laughs> they weren't. They weren't. They weren't looping very. Looping it back very, to menswear. <laughs> Zoot suits. I mean, that might be menswear. <laughs> now, so that's like when you see when you feel that like really like properly lined canvas suit with like the, right. the, the line. That's where that comes from. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we are down the road here. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I think okay, none, of, the, none of this is gonna air. It's all yeah, gonna I'm air. I'm fine. It's all. Gonna air. <laughs> I think I think we're dancing around it pretty well here, fellas. I'm not bad at this. One <laughs> My mom the, uh, won't be embarrassed. The, the the artists who I always look up to, like stylistically, are like a, a black thought who's got that very effortless style. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously, lyrically, I actually I, I designed a whole jacket based around. I made a video about designing a jacket based on uh, some lines from his freestyle on Funk Flex back in 2016, 2017. Or 2018, right? Yeah, that, that was one of their biggest videos that year. That was a super. I mean, big one that was probably that year at least the greatest freestyle that was dropped on a major platform. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, he, he just he had this uh, these uh, a couple of bars where he was like, you know, send a message to the gram. The eagle has landed. You know, wearing a military jacket made of canvas, red, black, and green bandanas. I'm not a gorilla. I just make him go bananas. And I, I had this whole idea for like this military uh, inspired canvas jacket that I designed off of those, those lyrics. And, yeah. you know, but his style is so effortless and classy, like now the way he, he is now. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember seeing a, uh, a interview with um, Questlove where he was like, you know, everything, I think he was talking about like when Jimmy Fallon uh, got them to, uh, to sign on as his band, he's like, somehow he had a black thought making a pyramid with the other guys in the band, he's like, and everything Black Thought wears costs like $10,000. So I don't know how he got him to do this. Um, <laughs> but in that same effortless sort of classic style, I sort of see uh, Kendrick Lamar and the way that his style has become 
currently where it, it still <laughs> leans street but it, it's it's also leaning on the other side he's got another foot on the other side of the line where it's borderline satorial and yeah you know, i see that <clears throat> more normalized it'll be interesting to see what he you know what his creative will look like for his next project because mm-hmm. every album that comes out that Kendrick, every album Kendrick puts out is so conceptual that all of the visuals, all the performances, all the mm-hmm. songs, all the cover art, artwork that's in the book, they all stay in line and they all look very different from the next project. Yeah. And, and I see the same thing. And I, I kind of compare it to just the natural evolution of life, right? Like if you're a kid, like, you know, I had no problem wearing suits when I was a baby. Mm. And then I remember being five, six, seven, eight, nine, hated wearing a suit, couldn't play in it. Uh, if I got my suit dirty, I got in trouble, mm-hmm. felt limiting. And then I remember avoiding them until prom, school dances. Then it was fun to dress up. And then you go to college, you do it every now and again, and then you join the professional workforce and your style evolves over time that way. And I think we catch a lot of these artists when they're young and they, they're growing from boys to men. And when you watch them growing from boys to men, I think you start to see the evolution in their style. So I think Kendrick is well-dressed regardless. I think he's always been kind of that way. I think he has an effortless freshness, I will say. Um, and he's definitely getting into that box where, you know, uh, he's competing with some of the, he's competing stylistically, satorially with some of the greats out there too. Another artist I thought about is Nas, right? Because mm-hmm. you look at Nas' second album, it was written. A song called Street Dreams it had a big influence. It was influenced by, um, what movie is that? Uh, Goodfellas. Is it Goodfellas? Yeah. It was Goodfellas, I think it was influenced by, right? And um, I mean, just the colorful suits they had in there. Movies like Belly had a lot of tutorial style in there and the grittiness just in the nightclub scenes. Had a, a real um, mix in Belly. <clears throat> yeah, it was. Like, it was like half of it looked like Godfather, half of it looked like Moonlight. You know what yeah. I mean? So um, I think that that path is similar to what Kendrick's doing, right? Because Kendrick not started off with an album that was about his neighborhood, essentially omatic. Then he gets to an album that was bigger, um, has other influences, and he's wearing suits. He, Kendrick put on a lot of different outfits on, uh, he, I definitely saw leaps satorially from Good Kid Mad City to, to Pimp a Butterfly. Yeah. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what he does next, as opposed to Drake, for example. I'm never impressed by anything Drake ever wears. And, yeah. I'm not sure if it's, I mean, when he's wearing suits, it don't look like they fit. When he's wearing street stuff, it don't look quite right. You know, when he puts out his own stuff or his Jordan branded stuff or whatever, I never want to get it. Uh, But as opposed to Travis Scott, who I think is also one of these people we're going to see make a big leap satorially for his next project and the project after, I think he's, he's poised for a leap there as well. The way you feel about Drake's style is sort of how I feel about Drake's music. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not mad at that. I haven't even listened to his new album yet, man. I feel like I'm slacking on my pimping over here. I just I don't, don't feel like listening. I just don't have an urge to hear him, you know, pander to children. And But people are telling me he's rapping, rapping, like he's really rapping on this album. Uh, I don't know if I care. I, you know, yeah. and, and, I, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. Drake openly talks about how he can only talk about himself. Hmm. So I have to be interested in hearing Drake talk about himself 
hoping I can find nuggets that apply to me mm -hmm. uh, in order to listen to them. And there's so much stuff going on in the world right now I know Drake ain't even talking about. So it's like, why am I going to go tune in to see what's happening inside of his, yeah. his house? I, I'm not... I'm not pressed right now. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm the same way. Like, I need to be able to, to find relation to music, to be able to not, not just enjoy it, but obviously Drake makes bangers, right? So I can enjoy listening to, to like, a banger if, if it's out there. But at the same time, it's like, if I want to really sit back and if it's going to be Smoke and Ride ready, it's not a Drake album. Right, it's Scorpion. Scorpion's got some smoke and ride ready stuff on it, though. The first half, I like the rapping half of Scorpion. Yeah, really? it's got some smoke and ride stuff on it. Um, Take care's got a couple of them. Uh, nothing was the same. Drake's just on the wrong side of the bell curve. You know, yeah, I think he's, you know, uh, he's clearly in. You know, he's maximized his influences. I don't think there's a, a critique that you can put on someone who's been able to create so much improbably we'll say success um, on success but, on success i mean you can't argue right. with numbers but it, it, i mean yes I, we know you can argue with numbers you know you flip numbers <laughs> <laughs> you, you know you flip numbers all the time i was wondering have you guys been um keeping up with quibi this new yeah. platform uh the I can't think of his name right now, but the, the uh, CEO of Quibi came out and said, I blame all of our failures on COVID-19. COVID I'm like, really? You mean to tell me while people sitting at home looking for stuff to watch, yeah. <laughs> this didn't work out for you guys that good? Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I think it's maybe you guys didn't allow people to share your content. Yeah. I think I'd blame it on that. Maybe I blame it on the fact that I can't watch this on TV. Let's blame it on that. Or maybe I blame it on the fact that I don't know what shows y'all got. Maybe Quibi your advertising feels campaign sucks. <laughs> it does, yeah. right? And so, you know, you know, whatever their numbers are saying, they're blaming it on <laughs> COVID-19. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. We'll bounce back. <clears throat> yeah, it's definitely, I mean, the, the, I like how you talked about the, uh, the evolution satorily uh, of someone like uh, – like a Kendrick though, and in that sort of step in the, that direction, um, someone else who I, I I think has had someone who we've seen a full evolution of uh, satorially also is Pharrell, right? He's and, number one. Yeah, I mean he's very much always. He's not quite at that three stacks level, but he's he's always sort of uh, walking on the other side of the line satorially. Mm. I mean, he might be ahead of Three Stacks, you know. I think um, – I mean, Three Stacks designs his own. I think he had a sock line. I know he was – he had a shoe line. He's a creative he director. creative director, creative director company, for right? – yeah, for um, – Rude Jude wears these shoes. K-Swiss? Uh, T-Tones. T-Tones? T-Tones? Tree-Tones? Tree-Tones? Something like that. Okay. Um, Rude Jude wears them all the time. Uh, I think – and he had a um, – a suspenders line, if I'm not mistaken, Andre had some suspenders. Um, so, you know, he went in, he went all the way in yeah. to where I could consider that his primary job at one point. Yeah, he's not making music <laughs> now, is he? Who knows? <laughs> you know, I'm, I haven't seen him pop up on anybody's albums, not that I can think of right now. Um, yeah, he hasn't done a feature in a minute. He's probably at the airport playing the flute, you know, <laughs> wearing... <laughs> Like was overalls. it Dave Chappelle used to do comedy <laughs> in the park when he uh, when he went off grid? Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. You know, um, but uh, Pharrell, I don't have an era 
that I remember where Pharrell wasn't forward-leaning yeah. stylistically. But I also always feel like he, I feel like he was one of the first that was really pushing it satorially mm. as well. Um, I wouldn't call this tutorial at all, but just a combination of Adidas jacket, a white shirt, and an Arby's hat. Yeah. Stop the world. <laughs> Stop the world for a year. <laughs> like For a year, every time you saw Pharrell, he had on that Gorn Brothers hat, <laughs> like everywhere. Um, and I just think he has a super keen eye, and the fact that he doesn't age uh, works yeah. very well for, for any occasion. He'll be half Asian. That not, no it Looks aging, like it. No aging. <laughs> you know, Jay's like 60. <laughs> and uh, he still looks like he's 25. I'm different kind of Asian. They don't count me as Asians. <laughs> where, are you, where are you from, Jay? I'm from Thailand, but um, I'm yeah. uh, Indian, four generations in Thailand. But Indians gotcha. never count as Asians in America. I see Asian right. restaurants and I go in and like, can I get some Indian food? No, it's Korean, Chinese and everything else. But no Indian. Right. <laughs> exactly. You guys, you guys definitely have too much melanin for us to put you in one restaurant. <laughs> we like our boxes over here. <laughs> You know, it's um. Let's do the ten questions before we we run out of time. Yeah, yeah. So we do we do this segment where um we ask every guest these these ten questions about okay. They're sort of just meant to be sort of fun questions around sartorial life, and so we'd like to run through these with you, uh, Justin, if you're game. Let's do it. All right. So first one, and we were talking about temperatures earlier, so this plays kind of well. You can only use one fabric. For the rest of your days right you get a choice between linen wool and cotton which one's it gonna be where do i live you tell us oh man if i look i i can't imagine not having a home in southern california i think i would go with i'll go with linen because more often than not i'm hotter here than i'm cold here mm. and so that is a limiting factor. One of the reasons why I don't wear suits as often as I would like to. It's just that there's nothing fresh about a guy in a sweaty, a sweaty guy in a suit. Like that's yeah. just not mm. fresh. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'll take, you know, I'll, uh, so I'll go with linen. Linen all day. Going back to the Southern roots with the linen. You know what I mean? I mean, like it's a little out of place in Southern California. I'll say that, but I think if it's linen and you know, you have the right tailor, it could come across as fresh, you know? So, you see a lot of cotton. I mean, seersucker, you want to talk about the South, that's seersucker territory yeah. over there. Well, that's like Louisiana you know, the, style, right? The seersucker. That's South, Carolina, that's South Carolina, too. Yeah. Drop a seersucker with a bow tie, you ready for the Klan rally. <laughs> <laughs> well, then. <laughs> you see a lot of cotton suits out in L.A., or is, are most people rocking wool? Uh, I see... I'd probably say I'd see more cotton than wool. Cotton. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think, but there's a lot of blends to be perfectly honest with you. Mm. But um, I say more cotton than wool because of different uh, agencies that I go visit or I go talk to people at CAA or mm. ICM or whatever. I see a lot of cottons in those environments because that's generally, or my friends at HBO, like they wear suits more often than anyone else. Outside of that, it's award shows. Yeah. It's events, it's galas, um, and they're about 50-50. Half are either between, uh, half are either like June, September, October, November, which is still pretty warm, and the rest are in the wintertime. Mm. So I, I think if I had to pay more, if I paid more attention, if I really thought about it, I'm pretty sure I'd see more wool. Um, at the Oscars, for example. For sure, yeah. 
but yeah, uh, I can see you rocking a. I can see you rocking a nice unstructured uh, linen linen blend jacket out there in LA. I, I'm telling you, man, I'm I'm in the market again. You know, I'm I'm definitely plotting out my stylistic evolution as after this uh, refresh. Well, let's let's hope uh, some tailors are watching this and uh, we'll we'll send some suits your way. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk do. after Please the show, do. man. We'll we'll, we'll connect yeah, let's, you. Let's do it. So. Now, I know that you haven't really been in the menswear space as far as like lately, like especially being sort of freelance since you left DX, right? You're, you go to meetings, but for, for the most part, you're kind of doing, especially working, I think, in music. You probably, not a lot of dudes wearing suits. Like you were at Empire for like a year and a half or so. No suits. No yeah, suits. Not even, not even the CFO. Okay. Not even the auditors. Not, so if the CFO is not wearing a suit, then you're like, wow. <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. In some industries, it's bad to wear a suit, I guess. Yeah, tech. I mean, look, one of the guys I think is satorially awesome in hip-hop is Steve Stout. And you can go take a look at Steve Stout any period of time. He's great, 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 great at being able to wear suits, but also still have, um, uh, still be comfortable anywhere. Mm. Uh, he's one of the few that I respect when he puts kicks on with it. Normally, I don't respect kicks mm. on suits, but... Uh, Steve Stout is really great at it too. So, every and pretty much every time I've ever seen him in his offices, suits. He runs a company called Translation. I used to write for the uh, for his book, The Tanning of America, and he put out a video series where he's interviewing different influencers. Check it out, you know, if you guys haven't seen it, because um, he's he does a great job. Yeah, we'll link it in the show notes too. People can check it out. Cool. Yeah, so, perfect. So even though you're not rocking that, what, what's your what's your favorite menswear item? Like if you had to, if you had to throw a jacket on, or if you had to go to a meeting, what's the one item that you want to have that that's going to make you feel more comfortable in that attire? Or more? Um, I'm a cufflinks guy, to be honest, man. I'm a French cuffs dude, uh, nice. and I think that's from my that's from my banking days. Uh, and I, I like, you know, anything that could, you know, add a touch of personality that's not always obvious um and my my cufflink game is pretty tight man like, oh, yeah? i got some i got some pieces in there um <clears throat> and i don't see them a lot um and mm. so in that regard i think that um you know just a, a little more attitude when mm. it comes to you know uh, you know my my suit game is what i'm looking for generally speaking mm. and i actually really prefer uh, cufflinks. I love French cuffs. I I prefer rolling up my sleeves with French cuffs. I feel like they hold better. You know, they wow. lock in better. So I, I um, hate rolling my sleeves with French cuffs. Uh, I, I oh, it's it. my favorite. Yeah, yeah it depends favorite. on what kind of shirt you got. If it's mm. uh, if it's fused well, then mm. then the folding is is a lot more fun in French cuffs. Uh, I like 100%. to rock French cuffs if I'm doing a vest. So if I know I'm not going to oh, okay. roll my sleeves, and I, I wear vests more than I wear jackets. So mm. if, if I'm going to rock a vest, especially a vest with a lapel, I'll, I'll throw on a French cuff shirt. And I've got these titanium, uh, one-piece titanium uh, cufflinks I love to wear. And uh, I'll rock that with a French cuff shirt and, uh, mm. and a vest. I definitely went through a vest phase. Mm. Um, after at my post-banking life, I went through a vest phase. When you're pushing and, hundreds, and so you, I'd you wear... rock the jackets, right? Cause the... Yo, man, it, that's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. Come on, Dave, you understand my pain. You put the work in, <laughs> people are going to be able to see it. I'm about to slim down after uh, 
<laughs> after this refresh, man. I, I can't I can't find myself not being able to go to the gym ever again because yeah. it's the fast way to get round. Right. For sure. <laughs> round round the, the shape and be, not the shape we want. Right. You can't be round in LA. <laughs> no. Maybe you could be round in Kansas, but yeah. you can't be round in LA. So if you're a white dude, you can be round in Bangkok, it doesn't matter. right and i guess if you know i guess you know i guess if you're wealthy you could be round anywhere what did jay-z say there's no there's no such thing as an ugly billionaire yeah very true i don't know what is this round you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) jay and i took a photo yesterday we're at um we're at a factory together and they're a tailor shop looking to get some tiny going back today to do a time study but um we took a photo with the owner and she's like two feet tall and like super skinny and what'd you say jay it's zero dot zero yeah it looks like we were we put her in the middle and she it looked like zero dot zero yeah. the number <laughs> <laughs> dana That's looked really, like she uh yeah dana would zero on dot me. zero yeah, yeah. <laughs> i gotta write that down <laughs> <laughs> She was like, don't eat me, guys. Yeah. <laughs> don't eat me, guys. <laughs> when we go back today, she's going to be like, oh, no, they're back. That's hilarious. I definitely wrote that down. <laughs> Man, don't be surprised if that shows up in the breakdown. Holler out that Dapper Villains. Let them know where it came. You know what I mean? I was like, that's not me. That's Dapper Villains. <laughs> yeah, I'll say something like that. Something like that. Drake is zero dot zero this year. And that's not me. That's Dabber Goods. <laughs> That'll work. So not not just in hip hop, but in life. And you know, that everyone loves denim, right? And it, i think it's the most ubiquitous fabric that, that's out there. It can be workwear, it can be you know, streetwear, it can be sartorial, right? I I've got three hundred dollar pair of custom jeans and you know, I've got my 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 loving thirty dollar Wranglers that I still wear, you know, and th- right. I can interchange them pretty much with anything. Um, mm-hmm. But some people take it a tad too far, and I, I'm interested to think: Do you think it's ever okay to wear denim on denim on denim on denim? You know, i.e. the Canadian tuxedo, you know, where you get the jeans, you get the denim shirt, you get the denim jacket, you're rocking, right. you know, a denim bag. No. I just, I, I, I don't actually, you know, I've tried it too. You know, there's been, I've never done denim on denim on denim. Like I've never done, have I done it? Maybe one time I you tried it. a picture it. of that so we can use that as the cover I definitely, photo? I definitely don't. I mean, it was probably, <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't have a picture of that. But I, you know, I, I'm not really into, if it's not a suit, I, like denim is one of my least favorite fabrics because uh, it's hard to find a versatile pair. Hmm. meaning I travel a lot. I'm in different regions. If it's the wrong time of year, I'm wearing a pair of jeans that work in Atlanta or in LA, they won't work in New York at Hmm. all. Um, And they're also restricting in a lot of ways. They can be, I'm not, there's a lot of, you know, different ways that denim can move and can stretch and all those kind of things. Hmm. But typically you get jean for the jean and not necessarily the look, right? I mean, it's a rugged fabric for rugged type stuff, right? You could mm. go work on a farm in it. You can do a drive-by in it. Everything is fine, right? Yeah. And so <clears throat> I'm not a big jean person. So no, I have never done the Canadian tuxedo like that. I don't even like wearing jean jackets that match the jeans I'm wearing. You know what yeah. I mean? So I, if, I big... rarely ever wear jeans and a jean jacket. 
I'm big on contrast that like I, I would never wear I would feel uncomfortable to wear jeans that match a jean jacket or even a denim shirt with jeans even if they're yeah. different colors right I mean I, I'm not mad at black jeans and a blue jean jacket or something like that like that's not crazy or like a jean yeah. bomber jacket and some you know lighter coat excuse me lighter color jeans but no nah, man I, I'm I just told y'all how hot I get in LA. I can't be putting on all jean everything. Ain't nothing. The only thing not less fresh than a sweaty guy in a suit is a sweaty guy in a jean suit. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, I made the switch to wearing shorts about uh, two years ago, and I pretty much exclusively wear shorts now. Yeah. And uh, even if I'm rocking a, a vest and a shirt, I've got shorts on. Okay. And uh, oh wait, uh, you know that's who made that a big deal. LeBron, did LeBron make that a big deal first? Did he? Did, did he start wearing short suits and then yeah, all of a sudden I started yeah. seeing everybody else wear? Yeah. I, I remember Pharrell rocking it like 10 Oh yeah, Pharrell. He, yeah. he was, the, of course it was Pharrell. Yeah. Pharrell was the first one. That's who I remember doing. I think he wore it to a Grammys or an Oscar party. He had like Oscar a pro, I think he wore a tux, like a, a, I think it was a tux and he had the yeah. pants made into shorts. Right. And, uh, yeah, obviously he pulls it off. We have slightly different body types for L and I. But, uh, <laughs> but you guys get into the octagon. I, I, my money's on you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, he pulled it off. And so it, it's just so hot out here. And I just, you know, I was struggling. I remember it was like, it, it might have been like 100 degrees out like that day. And I was, I was just dying. I went home and I took my pants off and I cut them down and I hemmed the bottoms as shorts. I was like, I'm not wearing pants anymore. Right. You know, it's tough out there, man. It's if you have like New York is the worst, especially in the summertime in New York, because like, you have to take the subway. It's mm. hotter than Hades down there. Um, and most places you work, you have to wear a suit, most of Midtown, at least back then. And so I would leave all of my suit coats in the office, mm. every single one of them. And because I'm sitting here riding in gridlock with a bunch of strangers, you know, 100 feet below the surface. Hmm. And it's a hundred degrees on the surface. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's no place for layers. No. Luckily here, the subway in Bangkok's colder. It's like, it's like zero degrees. It's crazy. Well, you guys do this crazy thing called invest in infrastructure. <laughs> I, we got, I'll tell you the train game in, in Thailand is, is next level. Jay doesn't know cause he only drives, but <laughs> I, I'm a public right. transit guy. I'll, I'll, I'll take the bus. I'll take, I'll jump on the back of a scooter taxi. I'll take a tuk tuk. It doesn't matter. Well, I'm trying man. not to drive. Well, that'll never happen in America again. Everybody no. here, you know, it's so funny. I've been telling my friends, I'm like, man, we're all Asian now. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, every time I go to the airport, that's where I see all these Asians with these masks on. <laughs> so that I see them walking around, it don't look dangerous to me. They just happen to be wearing them. That's us. <laughs> Forever. And I won't be hopping on no subways anytime soon. <laughs> I won't be dapping up no strangers. Yeah. I don't know what's real or what's not. We'll, 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 I have, know to send not your, uh, we'll have to send you a dapper villain mask. Yeah, we'll send you one of the dapper villain masks. Oh, yeah, that's dope. Yeah. That's dope. I appreciate that. That's what's up. <laughs> that's a fabric mask I designed. Um, me and Jay are working, uh, been working on this project. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll send you out. Uh, I'll send you some uh, samples for fabric. You can pick and I'll send you some out. Uh, that's dope. I appreciate it. Actually, I still send, gotta send we'll you send him the denim like one. We'll send him, we'll send him the denim one so that he can have something to match with the Canadian tuxedo. <laughs> oh my gosh. Don't even do it to me, man. That's <laughs> too soon, man. That's too soon of a joke. <laughs> I want to see your cufflink collection though, because that's, that's a very interesting answer. And I bet you yeah. got some, 
some really cool. I, I got some good stuff. I got some good stuff. I'll um, I'll show you some pictures after this is over. Cool. Now, we were talking yeah. about your your suits and you know when you were an investment banker, t- leaving the jacket on, going on the subway, yeah. but you know tailoring and style in suits, especially New York, right? They they've mm-hmm. got people that are strict, especially in the investment world. Uh, you know, stock world, New York is crazy. But you know, a lot of times we think about like uh, from cuts. We think about the British cut, the Italian cut, and of course, like especially in New York, you get that American cut. It's like a little bit looser version of the uh, British. You know, which styling of tailoring do you prefer? Like that British, Italian, more American? American. Cut? I'll take American, man. It's uh, you know, I'm a uh, my body type makes it tough to do anything Italian. Um, yeah. Just to be perfectly honest, like you know, I, I'll need a. I need a, a fabric that gives for that to really, mm. you know, work for me. And if I'm getting accustomed to anything, I want it to be one to last. Uh, yeah. I want it to, and I want, I don't want it to be able to um, grow with me um, over a period of time. So I stay away from the Italians. I just, my body doesn't work, you know. Um, and then the British, I'm not mad at. The American, I just prefer because yeah. generally if I'm wearing a suit, I'm moving, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't, I am definitely uh, function over form to some degree. I, I don't, if I don't feel good in what I'm wearing, then I look even worse yeah. because mm-hmm. I'm probably sweating. I'm noticeably uncomfortable. I'm shifting. Mm-hmm. I'm moving. And now I'm not focusing on, you know, the conversations I'm having, the pitches I'm making, mm-hmm. uh, the points I'm trying to deliver. And so I need something that is going to accentuate who I am, not restrict me or force me into something I'm not. And I think that's what a suit should always be. And, you know, it should be like Jay wears a jacket every day. And he, you know, and I, like I said, I wear the vest. I think body type wise, like I have big shoulders. I have no neck, you know, especially if you get a pump, like after your morning workout, you don't want to throw your jacket on and find that the sleeves are too tight, uh, which is why I like the vest. But like, like Jay does everything in his suit. Right. And that's how a suit should be. It should be a part of you. It should be a, a, a functional part of your wardrobe that you can wear anytime. It shouldn't be something you throw on. You're like, oh, I can't move. It's, you know, I bought this from uh, what, what's that menswear store that it's got a guy's name. Uh, they sell like off the racks of Joseph Banks. Right. Like, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I bought this like, $300 jacket. And it, it Every time I move, the shoulders pop up over my head and. <laughs> You know, right. like, it's not made for you. Like if you're going to drop it's three grand on a jacket, man. right. You want to be yeah. able to wear it and enjoy it. You know, Joe, funny thing about, uh, Joseph a. bank, the, when I was working in, cause what's their, what's their ticker? Is it J as I can't think of the ticker, right? Joss, I think it's J West, right? Yeah. So, um, a guy I used to work with, he would day trade basically on that, on the <laughs> on JOS. Really? I'm like, what's happening? He's like, he's like, you know, every day, he said, every day they, you know, for the past three years, they always come in slightly below expectations on their earnings calls. Mm. And and so that they're because of that they stay having they have consistent fluctuations in their daily stock value. So mm-hmm. he would just play this one <laughs> all like I'm talking two, three times a week he's trading wow. on this exact same stock. And you know it wasn't super crazy gains, but he could finish the year with an additional fifty, sixty thousand dollars or something doing that. Wow. Which I was like, you know, I'm like, oh okay. 
Um, That's a different angle been... to look at a menswear brand. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. I've never been a big fan of theirs, though, to be perfectly honest with you. No, um, I find, yeah, it's when it's I was an engineer. But pink is a good brand. I like yeah. the, the, yeah. The, that you picked pink. And I could see why you said uh, the cuffs are better when you fold it, because mm. pink has a really soft uh, fused collar and cuffs. Yeah. Their shirts are amazing. Yeah, yeah they're really great. You know, when I was an engineer, all the sales guys would always wear, they were like, oh, you got to get a suit from Joseph A. Banks. It's like the greatest thing ever. Like, and, and like, look, that's a very Cleveland thing, right? To, to be like, oh, buy, right. buy this suit. Like, that's a Cleveland style. Buy this suit off the rack at Joseph A. Banks. Right. And some of these guys had like 10 suits. And I'm, they're like, oh, it's such a good deal. It's like buy one, get two free. I'm like, no, that's never a good deal. That's not how math works. They're not losing money. They're selling right. three shitty suits for a really expensive <laughs> price, making you think you're getting a good deal. <clears throat> yeah, 100%. I mean, it's that's men's warehouse type stuff to me. Yeah. You know no. I mean? no disrespect to men's warehouse, but <laughs> my, my I'm not shopping there. This podcast of uh, men's warehouse has been brought up a lot, but in a, in a, in a not a very good way. So. Yeah, I'm sure. It's when called I was men's years warehouse. Old, that's where my first suit came from. I went to men's warehouse and I grabbed a, I grabbed a, a jacket and some slacks, and that's what I wore yeah. to my job interviews. Because you had no money. And I no had style. no money. <laughs> no that's money. What men's warehouse. I mean, it's called men's warehouse. Yeah. Not, yeah. They might as well call it, you know, men's cell block. You know, yeah. I don't think about Just a bunch of men. Garbage. <laughs> there's no, there's, and there's no part of me that I think ever wants to be in a warehouse with a bunch of men. Yeah. Like even this association, it sounds like prison. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a great way to think of it. (laughs) (laughs) Do I want to hang out in a warehouse with a bunch of men? No, I don't. What are we doing in this warehouse? Is it basketball (laughs) practice? Is there a bunch of skate ramps? Are we skateboarding in this warehouse? Yeah. Okay. No, I don't want to be in your men's warehouse and I don't want to dress like it either. You talked about your uh, your cufflink collection, you know, that being like yeah. sort of your favorite menswear item. And so I'm, I'm assuming, I'm going to assume, I'm going to make an assumption. I might make an ass out of uh, you and me. We'll see. But you, that your favorite, that your answer for the next question might come from from that collection is what is your favorite accessory and why? Cufflinks, uh, you know, I, I gave a description on that one. Um, what's your pair though? What's like? If you look at that collection, what's your favorite pair out of that collection? I actually have a custom pair. They're uh, diamond trim monogram cufflinks that were a gift. And so those are actually my favorite pair. They're more personal. But the thing I like about cufflinks is that you can you can have a casual, there's casual cufflinks out there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you can get woven knit cufflinks you know you can get colorful ones you know and it's always subtle i'm not and i'm not a watch guy at all my hands my wrist sweats so you know there is a lack of you know flair that bling on that area yeah yeah right in general you know what i mean and so um it helps accentuate that uh i tend to be a white gold kind of guy just in general Mm -hmm. um so i definitely have multiple pairs of white gold ones i've got an antique pair that my dad gave me that nice. was um like they're 24 karat gold um and they have his initials on them so i wear that you know sometimes too i just think that it's a very subtle way to really show what you're about mm-hmm. without being in people's face you know what i mean and it's kind of a, if you know you know kind of thing too yeah 
right? I mean, if, you know, a lot of people prefer not to have cufflinks, but there's other people who don't understand cufflinks either. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's people who don't know how to wear cufflinks. You know, mm -hmm. they wear them like regular old buttons, you know? So um, <clears throat> I just think that it's a subtle way to, you know, distinguish yourself. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. I love that, you know, you have a pair from your dad that's kind of like a, it's got story to it. Same with your personalized yeah. pair, right? That it's personal. It's got a story. They were a gift. I think that's generally, yeah, most things in my life that I value have a, you know, mm. a story to them. I'm, I'm definitely, you know, a Bobo in paradise, you know, in a David Brooks sense. And, uh, you know, the new bourgeois bohemian, it's not always about what someone has or what something's worth. It's, more so for me, what it means and uh, what have they seen? Uh, what can they share? And wow. so that tends to drive most of the things that I covet, but also respect. It's a good way to look at the bourgeois bohemian. I like that uh, phrase. Yeah. That's what it is. The bourgeois bo That's not me. That's David Brooks. I pretty much hate everything he's ever written except for that book. <laughs> it's a good book. Yeah, <laughs> I think he, he does a is an apt way of uh, contextualizing a generation. So when it talk talk about style, we were talking about especially in hip hop, right? And like so many people have their style game on point. And a lot of people who who don't have their style game on point in hip hop, or they have a very, you know, they don't care kind of street look to them. But like, how on point should a men's game, men's style game, be, in your opinion? as on point as they are, you know, I think that, I don't think you necessarily have to have, I don't think suits are for everybody, right? Just like, I don't think gold chains are for everybody, you know, I don't think Jordans are for everybody. Um, but, right, you know, I, but I'll say this, I think presentation is always important regardless of who or where you are, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's almost like etiquette, you know, like you don't go to somebody's house, put your shoes on the couch, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, I took etiquette lessons and the most consistent lesson in these etiquette lessons was you don't want to embarrass yourself or other people. And um, I took that to mean have pride in who you are, but also how you present yourself. And so I take, to, I take it to mean that either some person is either an outside brilliance or outside genius or outside wealth in some regard to where they don't have to worry about anything else or their mm -hmm. mind is can only focus on a hoodie or some shit like that. <clears throat> but um, I don't know that many people that generally fall into those buckets. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, personally, people are missing out on the opportunity to have a lot of fun with yourself to develop and instill pride in yourself um, to, you know, I mean, I you put on a fresh tuxedo, I don't care who you are, your confidence goes up. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care, you know? So I think it's everybody's personal responsibility to present themselves in the best possible light uh, as accurately as possible. Um, I'm, I don't think it means everybody should wear one thing or another, but I think that people should put thought into, you know, who they are and how they represent themselves. 100%. And like you said about the tux, right? Like, and even with a jacket, right? If if any clothes that you put on, if the fit is perfect, your confidence goes through the roof. It could be a t-shirt, right? Or it could be a thousand dollar jacket, right? Through the roof. I, I I've been to the Grammys 
a number of times at this point. And there's always some after parties and et cetera. This one Grammy party, I can't remember what happened. It was, uh, we went to the award show and then we went to a Grammy party for maybe Warner Brothers. I can't remember who it was. And then the party ended early because of uh, they were over capacity with the fire department. Mm. And so me and my homies were like, where are we going to go now? It was like, you know, it's, it's around 1245, 1. L.A. closes at 2. Mm. We're kind of far away from any place else we're going to go. But we were all dressed up. You mm. know what I mean? So we were like, man, we look too good to go home. <laughs> Let's go find someplace else. Let's go see, you know, what what uh, what kind of uh, good trouble we can find our, get ourselves into. You know, mm. let's make this you know, let's make sure we, our presence is felt, our flyness is felt, you know? And uh, I always feel that way when, uh, you know, I have the right outfit on. Nice. Is there a, a style icon that you look up to? Style icon that I look up to. I mean, I'll say this, I never considered it before, but I look at Kanye West as a style icon at this point. Um, I think that he's been at the forefront I mean, no, I'm not comparing him to, you know, Ralph. It ain't Ralph, though. I guess Ralph would be the style icon. Um, but uh, I know that Kanye has a generation that looks at, looks at him as a style icon. And he's never afraid to take risks. And he's at the point now where he's producing his own everythings. Yeah. Right? So he's on that journey, on that path. I don't know if I have a style icon. I used to like FUBU quite a bit when I was a kid, not tutorial at all, but I was very into black designers growing up. Mm. Uh, I guess I guess Dapper Dan would probably be number one on my list, but I used to love FUBU quite a bit. I loved all the Sean John stuff. Mm. I think Sean John was underrated, especially, um, you know, the, the more tutorial stuff. I mean, they had some really fresh suits. I haven't seen Sean John in quite a bit. Um, I wouldn't look at him as a style icon either, uh, a fashion icon. Uh, I guess everything goes back to Ralph at some point, right? So, mm. yeah, I mean, obviously Ralph. I mean, is it's it's hard to argue against Kanye. I'm not gonna just give you that one. I, I mean, I understand what you, you know, mean, but I think look, you know, maybe we're we're definitely premature. I think should he live a regular a, a live life long enough? Should he get to his eighties, nineties, or whatever? Mm. He will be considered one uh, because. 20 years ago, we never thought he'd be considered a great rapper. No. And people people love those shoes he makes. I'm personally not a fan, but I, well, I see I also the appeal. Look, I mean, you know, whether we're fans or not, mm. you know, there is weight into how prominently they are positioned in culture and in society. And, you know, um, you know whether or not, like, like oh, man, what was I about to say? Yeah, I mean, look, I don't necessarily like his his clothes, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I have a nephew who's a model who's been in a couple of Kanye West shows and, like, fashion shows. And mm -hmm. um, I'm never really impressed by his work that way, but my mm -hmm. cousin's younger, and a lot of my younger cousins really, really are, you know? And so they look at him in that, in that capacity. And I'm always, and this is just something that I respect when it comes to leadership in general. Yeah. Anybody who is, you know, putting other people on, who has yeah. people that came from their wing, from their influence, from their DNA, who are now, you know, making major moves in any field of human endeavor, I give, you know, 
that person much more credit. And Kanye's already showing showing that now. I mean, yeah. his, you know, Off White is that basically came out of <laughs> Kanye's garage. You yeah. know, um, and now he's running Louis Vuitton, or he's one of the guys over at LB. So um, I'm not saying he is, but I think that he will be. And I know there's a generation already now that's looking at him as such. I got to give respect to him. Like you said, anyone who, who 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 plants the seeds for other people, right, who, who has people spring out of their, their DNA, their design, obviously much respect. I, I respect what he's doing on a business level, the fact that, like you said, he's making stuff. He's He's, he's got ownership on things. He's not just signing his name to, right. to stuff, which which I, I respect on that level. Do I like it? No. I'm also an old white dude, right? I'm probably not supposed to like it. So I don't know, man. Uh, Kanye got a lot of Republican fans, man. MAGA love him. I he, see, he I see that Yeezys. I see Yeezys at MAGA Trump rallies. rallies. <laughs> he did it. He's he doing all right. Are <laughs> rocking the Yeezys now? Yes. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> uh, jumping off to that, uh, going to the cross burning, listening to some uh, some Kanye albums on the way. With the Wave Runners on. Yeah. You know, you mentioned FUBU, right? And, uh, and not Kanye not. albums. They listen to Jesus is King, that yeah. Kanye album. They li- listen to that one album. <laughs> the one they heard at church. <laughs> Kanye and uh, Joe Olstein. Exactly. You know, I, I um, you mentioned FUBU, right? And I, I've owned a, a bunch of FUBU items over the years. I, I, style, stylistically, not sartorial, but mm. it speaks to culture, hip hop culture. I think a lot of FUBU yeah. is infused, especially in that '90s, 2000s era of hip hop culture. I remember I owned the ugliest FUBU, like orange and green hat at one point in like 2001. And uh, right. I would rock that thing all the time. It was, it was oh, really man. ugly. It was a bad you combo. The tail, and that was the tail end of FUBU, man. You waited till FUBU was almost over. Well, I had, I had all that stuff before that, but I mean, that was, that, okay. that was one of the things, but you know, Damon John is, is a, to me as a style icon, he's a very sartorial individual. The way he carries himself, the way he dresses, the way he uses men's wear and men's style to, to elevate his presence. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a photo where he is not the best dressed person in that photo. Me neither. You know, he I, always has amazing cufflinks too. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, yeah, you, know, um, you know, that whole era had so many different types of uh, black fashion houses that were, you know, creeping into the culture through hip hop. And, um, you know, I just don't think we could sleep on any of those guys. You know, they created something almost out of nothing and were at the right time. I, I mean, look, I went to the FUBU relaunch. Was it last year, maybe two years ago? They had a pop-up shop and uh, I didn't get anything. <laughs> like, I think I passed that. <laughs> I think I passed that point in my personal uh, style evolution. But, uh, you know, throughout the 90s, Dada, I don't know if you guys remember Dada. None of this is Satoria, but I wore a lot of Nietzsche, Dada, uh, a lot of Fubu back then. Mm. And it went well with my Tommy Hilfiger and my Gap and my Banana Republic, you know what yeah. I mean? So that was high school or middle school. Middle school and high school. Yeah, a little both. 
middle school and high school. Yeah, coming through high school, I had in the 90s in high school, I had a bunch of FUBU. But yeah, I remember that. I just remember that green orange hat that was so ugly. I rocked that thing. <laughs> I would go to meetings with that hat. That's how I, I loved it. And it was, it was so bad. That's funny. You know, so on a daily basis, I know, like, obviously right now we're all, you're calling it the refresh, but we're in, we're yeah. in lockdown. But, like, I still get dressed to go down to the design studio every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I know Jay's still still getting dressed. None of us are wearing pants, I'm sure, but we're all got a shirt on. <laughs> hey, I am wearing pants. I have respect <laughs> for our guests today. I'm wearing pants. This is the first episode that we're wearing pants, but I am wearing I'm, pants today. Jay, you the man. I appreciate you thinking about me, man. <laughs> You know, but, I ain't trying to be in. <laughs> that sounds like men's warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on a daily basis, how formal do you think? How formal do you think a guy should dress? It depends on what their lifestyle is like. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think overdressing is a problem too. Yeah. You know, I think that. <clears throat> excuse me. I think that if you are, you know, um, if you have on a three-piece suit and a trench coat going to a Laker game in LA, yeah. you know, like you might be trying too hard. Yeah. Um, so I think it, was, it depends on what their lifestyle is like. Um, and also what their personality type is like too. You know, I don't think, again, I look at uh, function over form mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And I look at style choices, style being what you're comfortable with. I, yeah. Where I have a problem is, is when people say that they're not something or they don't want to do something or something isn't them and they haven't tried it yet. Mm. Like that to me is when it gets a little, you know, uh, well, dog, man, you might be, your whole life might improve. You don't even, you know, realize or recognize it yet. Yeah. Um, but on a day-to-day basis, I, I think it just depends on what your lifestyle is like. I, I wouldn't expect, uh, I'm around a lot of artists, a lot of musicians, a lot of producers. I am not expecting these cats to be sitting here Hmm. you know, um, dressing up during that process. I don't know how many people have ever seen a song being made, but you'd rather be comfortable. <laughs> like You'd rather not be, you know, overdressed in a studio. Um, hmm. I don't think you want to be overdressed, you know, uh, working in a factory in Mexico. You know, hmm. that sounds hot. You know, I think you probably want to have your factory outfit on, and that's probably about it. Um, so I don't know if I've ever thought about how, you know, dressy a person should be on a day-to-day basis. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think that you can elevate yourself, even if you're you're a guy working on a construction site, right? And if if you want to use men's style or men's wear to elevate yourself, you obviously you're not wearing a, a, a suit to a construction site to work if you're a laborer, but you know, sometimes instead of throwing on a t-shirt, you throw on a button up or, you know, you, you, you clean your jeans, get the dust off them, you know, whatever, you know, I think there's things you can do in my opinion in again, function over form for sure. But I think there's always something you can do to elevate your game within the realm that you're in. Like you said, overdressing is a big problem as well. Right. And you know, I'm not going to rock a three piece suit to go work in the garden. Or yeah. to, you know to go ride around my scooter in the city, but by the same t- token, I'm not going to throw on a pair of flip flops and uh, you know some little uh, two, yeah. two skinny shorts and uh, a tank top. If you're not, a, if a man is not at the beach, he should not be showing his toes. <laughs> <laughs> I do not true. believe that. 
<laughs> this not in an urban environment. We, because uh, there's a whole bunch of, that's one thing that was really popular in the South growing up. A lot of cocky pants, a lot of uh, rainbow flip-flops, mm. you know, people just wearing them on a regular basis. And to me, that's just dangerous, man. Mm. You're going to be outside with your toes hanging out, you know, like what if you have to run? Problem. <laughs> um, what happens if someone drops something? problem you know what I mean like <laughs> it's just like, like uh you know and you can wear boat shoes with no socks you know you should get run yeah you know so there's you know I, I I tend to look at things like that but you're absolutely right I think uh putting on a button up in a construction site's a, a, a nice way to elevate and that's what the Dust Bowl people look like you know with the great yeah. section great recession pictures and they're all standing in line looking broke they all have button downs on yeah <laughs> they look better than middle class today yeah <laughs> right hey, at least they could afford a button down well, yeah, there were no t-shirts back then there was no t-shirts oh yeah bangladesh well, they... and china did not come up at that time to make <laughs> cheap t-shirts <laughs> well thankfully so, y'all are here now <laughs> so, to <laughs> or tie now, right? or not to tie justin <laughs> what do you mean y'all i'm korean that's what, <laughs> that's what that was my fault. That was my ignorance shining through the podcast. Uh, <laughs> so what was it? Uh, you said to tie or not to tie? Yeah. Um, I like ties quite a bit. Uh, if that's what you're talking about. Yeah. To tie, like you're talking about neckties, right? Neckties. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay, because some people don't tie their shoes. But yeah, no. Um, <laughs> I am. Uh, yeah, I'm, I actually like ties quite a bit. Um, I, uh, you know, and I think ties are one of those things that also can work casually. Mm. You know, I think ties can work if you're more preppy, you know, like when I, the era I grew up in the South was the era of the pretty boy thug. You know what mm. I mean? Like a lot of button downs, a lot of Ralph Lauren, jeans might be a little oversized, definitely some Tims or something like that. I wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a surprise to see, you know, having a, a loose tie dangling too. Um, so I appreciate ties, yeah. uh, just in general. And I think it's another way to, you know, add some flash and flair. Yeah, and by the same token, we talked to a, um, a husband and wife design team, uh, mm. and her husband was saying that, you know, wearing a tie can make as much of a statement as not wearing a tie. Mm. You know, so it's one of those things I, that can go either ways. If I'm not wearing a tie, I, I like, well, I, prefer, I per personally, preferred ties but also notice that i do like the look with the button up all the way up to the neck and then the gold chain hanging over it i like that look quite a bit really you know, i think it, yeah i do because i think that works well with you can do that with a suit you can you can do it with you know a blazer in a more casual way um and i do i do like jewelry even though i don't wear it you know mm -hmm. what i mean i don't tend to wear stuff because it's makes me sweat not it makes me uncomfortable Mm. It physically, like if I have a watch on, I've got metal on my wrist mm. <laughs> all day. Yeah. And I used to wear watches all the time and I have to take it off. You get that little watch, the little circle of sweat on your wrist with the watch. Yeah. Then cell phones came out and then I realized there wasn't even, you know, function to a watch for me in yeah. the same way. <laughs> now I'm literally just wearing it for form. And that's just against my personal style rules. I never wore a watch until I got the Apple watch. And, you know, now it's like, captures so much data that i just i'm in love with it okay that's cool 
Yeah, but my whole life. I can't see myself getting an Apple Watch. I've heard great things about it. I think it's great for ex- people who exercise, running. I think it counts for steps, your dietary stuff, and all this yeah. crazy stuff. I just don't need that much stuff, man. I really don't. Like, so I, I'm, I'm trying to, to be, I'm becoming more minimalist data. in my life. No, mm-hmm. I used to. Okay. I founded a, uh, a human biometric informatics company a few mm-hmm. years, more than a few years back, exited from that. But, uh, you know, I, I'm very much into that whole human biometric, you know, analysis side and so nothing does it better than the apple watch in my opinion that's dope and uh yeah it's ugly it's square which i hate i think like the the shape from a design perspective i don't like uh, I, I don't think a square thing fits on your round wrist very naturally but screen usage like edge to edge data like i've got this like the nerdiest uh, face on it I don't know. You gotta kind of like see. To see it, but it's like all data oh, yeah, in the face. Man, so everywhere you, every corner has data. I can see the UV index. I know what the AQI is outside. How many steps I've taken? How much? Uh, how many calories I've burned? How many hours I've stood? All of this just by looking at yeah. it. Man, that's a lot of information. Super. But I agree with you about the minim- minimalistic look and 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 yeah. the fact that you don't have to have another device to charge every day. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, but you know, I don't have a, I don't have a reason for it. You know, if yeah. I did, I would do it, but I wouldn't do it just for, just for the look. Then we're gonna get an iced out Daytona, like twelve carats of diamonds on a Daytona. They, I mean, that's what six nine was showing. I'm not gonna. It was like you can't beef, you can't beef with me if you don't have this watch. You can't beef with me. Yeah, I'm oh, pretty right. sure you can. I, but I really want to rock the jewelry, the gold chain look. I tried that and I look like a meme, like or or like just Saul. Yeah. Like, it looks sarcastic <laughs> right. on me. I, like, it's like, well, how are you doing, That's, motherfucker? Like, you know, like, just right. saw. Like, every fucking mockery video. I can't do it. I really want to, but I can't. <laughs> I love the gold chain on a black turtleneck with a jacket. That's what I'm saying. Look, I used to like hair and bones quite a bit back in the day. I'm thinking about getting one now. I probably won't. Um, I probably I'm thinking won't. about it, you know. But I'm thinking about getting... I've wanted these two gold fronts for a long time. I haven't... I haven't picked those up yet, actually. I've punched myself in the face because I wanted this thing for a while. I want to get them on the bottom vampire teeth, you know, so I can still wear them to church if I never went to church where they just kind of hide. And this was way before Killmonger and Black Panther. Then Killmonger and Black Panther had them. I was like, ah, I lost. Yeah. Now I'm a follower. Yeah, I'm <laughs> the trendsetter. Yeah. <laughs> now that's slowed down my urgency. I definitely don't like following trends just because it's what everybody's doing. Yeah. Like, you know, when Tim's... When I first came to LA, they weren't really wearing Tim's out here in LA yet. Mm. It's definitely an East Coast thing, definitely a Midwest thing. And so um, I started wearing Tim's. Around the time I started wearing Tim's, you know, a year later, you see a Tim's explosion out here. And had there been a Tim's, Tim's explosion out here, I wouldn't want to wear Tim's out here. <laughs> it would have made sense. <laughs> it's like, wait, this is no function at all <laughs> and i'm late <laughs> nah. Nah. i'm not i'm not with that one <laughs> you know what i mean so um you know i mean even even in like sneaker choices right like my favorite shoes i own are my bruce lee tigers mm-hmm. and they're yellow asics and they say tiger on the back i have multiple pairs of them I have a pair that stays fresh in case i gotta wear some fresh ones mm-hmm. and i got a beat up pair that i could just you know, where down the, where to back when you could go to a bar or restaurant, anywhere that people might step on them, I could wear them there. And they still, 
you know, highlight the rest of the outfit because one, they're super no. As soon as you see them, you're like, oh, those are Bruce Lee's. Two, you never see them here. <laughs> like so you never see them but they're hyper noticeable and they're attached to one of the most legendary figures in cinema and culture um yeah. and so for me that type of style choice is the type of make all the time right it's like what is something that is you know potent that is classic that is still fresh but not common right that mm-hmm. is where I live. And that's another reason why I like cufflinks so much. Yeah, you know, I, I wear, essentially, I don't wear shoes anymore. I, I never wear my hard bottoms, but I wear one one set of uh, sneakers, well, one brand of sneakers, almost exclusively uh, a Thai mm. brand called Nanyang. And it's sort okay. of like the Thai version of uh, Converse, of Chucks. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a low-top canvas shoe. They're actually, um, for uh, there's a sport they play here called the Taglaw, Sapa Taglaw. And I'm sure okay. I'm saying it wrong. Jay, correct me. It's it's like soccer. Yeah. It's like, but it's but uh, you don't you don't let the ball uh, hit the floor. You you, it's like tennis. It's like soccer, soccer tennis. and volleyball. Oh, I've seen that. I've seen yeah. that. Yeah, I've definitely seen that. Yeah, but the, for it's me, they're the super comfortable. Though. I haven't seen the Olympics. And uh, they're super comfortable shoes. I wear them everywhere. And in Thailand, they're Nanyangs are shoes that kids wear to school. Yeah. And so when Thai kids see me like walking with shorts and like a, like a, a, a dress shirt, wearing a, a pair of Nanyangs, they're like $12 sneakers. They're like, yeah. Oh, ha ha. They laugh at me, but you know, I love these things. I, I went to a black tie boxing event in the Philippines uh, uh-huh. last year with my buddy Troy and with Jib. And uh, I, I rocked uh, my black suit with my black Nanyangs. <laughs> Word up. <laughs> I got to yeah, take I a picture. I got to see what those look like. Send me a, a link after this. I want to see what they look like. Because he yeah, pimps out his Nanyang too, because like it's it's a brown Nanyang. Like I grew up uh, wearing them because it's what you have to wear, kind of. Mm. And uh, he would change the laces to purple lace, yeah. Nanyang. Mm-hmm. And so that was uh, the yeah, my, my dream dapper villainous part. Would be to design a, uh, a limited pair for Nanyang. They do a limited edition every year. So. I'm always like my neighbor works for them. I'm like, yo, introduce me to the design team. Right. <laughs> That's dope. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I usually I swap out the lace. I do something. But I remember I was giving a talk at a, we have this big um, conference arena center outside Bangkok called Impact. I was, I was moderating. Um, I was doing a fireside chat, a one-on-one conversation with a futurist at this big event. There's like maybe uh, 2,000 people. And we're on stage. And I remember I stretched my legs out and Nanyangs have a very distinctive sole. It's a, it's a green sole and uh, it's only visible from the bottom. It's got the edge dressing kind of like the Chucks do, right? Where it's got the rubber edge, but on the bottom it's green, green, like green screen, green, chroma key green. And I I kicked my feet up and you could see the, I didn't realize, but you could see the bottom of my shoes in in the audience. And uh, I literally heard someone go, Oh, he's wearing Nanyangs. (laughs) (laughs) that's what's up see that's probably fresher though i mean i know it's culturally not you know revered it sounds like but a lot of times that's where the dope stuff comes from yeah there wasn't really uh one of my favorite Kanye west stories is how he was wearing vintage jordans 
before there was a resale market before streetwear stuff. So he had Jordan fives in 98 or something like that, wow. like, where it's almost impossible to get them. And he just had an old pair, either he bought them or he just kept them around and just kept cleaning them or something. Mm. And then it kind of spawned this whole, how do we find all of these, you know, classic shoes or these, you know, these shoes that are just mm. highly uncommon. Um, I bet you if you start rocking Nunyuns in the States, you can pick them up. I mean, it's like mezcal. Mezcal yeah. is like leftover tequila. It's like the terrible part of tequila. Yeah. It's more, bottle of mezcal is more expensive than tequila over here. <laughs> you can get some Nanyang. Watch, start a Nanyang. Well, no, I was going to say a story. But They're going to be story. so happy that we're mentioning <laughs> Nanyang so many times here. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally helping get... Nanyang go to LA right now. <laughs> I, I might order a pair of Nanyangs. You send me a link. You said they twelve dollars. Twelve bucks <laughs> probably cost you more to ship them. That's yeah. fine. You know, I'll do it just because it's not young. No one's got it, and they got a green bottom. Come on, yeah. man. That's they like come in three colors. Actually, I've got a right. camo pair, limited edition camo pair. Green's the color of genius. Yeah. So, um, mm. you mentioned Black Panther, right? You're talking about uh, Killmonger with the the fangs, right? Right. And a lot of style in uh, Black Panther. I mean, great great movie on a, on a lot of levels but when you think of movie characters right is there a character in particular in in cinema history that you just look at and they have their style game on lock like someone who is just on cinema fire history mm, that's a good question i mean on screen or on screen, off off screen. I mean, yeah and sit like a movie character right and it could be recent it could character. be but obviously we have a whole history of of cinema up until today, right? And so you know who I always liked? I always liked Ari Gold in uh Entourage. Yeah. I thought I thought Ari was always really clean. I thought uh like I don't know if I ever saw Ari without a suit on in that show, to be honest nah. with you. Um and he always seemed to fit no matter where they were at. Mm, yeah. And so um and I mean there was some they had some dope stuff. I mean he was wearing some crazy yeah. forward leaning you know, pieces, like that was a very, his style touch points were very progressive, even subtly uh, on that show. So I, I think Ari Gold would probably be it. I remember why every episode of Entourage I ever saw, I was like, man, Ari killed it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're an LA guy. How LA is that yeah. show? Is that like life or what? Yes, it's very LA. You know what's so crazy about it? I mean, that show Entourage, Except for maybe the last season, but every episode ended on like this entourage moment where they're on some balcony mm. toasting to like, ah, we made it yeah. through another crazy day. Bring on the naked chicks, you know what I mean? Or <laughs> Where's Sasha <I'm>, Gray? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know, like every, they wrapped up everything in 30 minutes, even though it's still a serialized show. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, they're toasting at the end of every day, even if it's a crappy day. Yeah. And that's kind of LA, you know, like every day feels the same. Hmm. Time goes by really fast. No matter how terrible everything went down, it's still 70 and sunny. <laughs> and somebody half naked is jogging down your block, you know, so there's always opportunity, no matter, it always yeah. feels like opportunity, even if you're farther away from the promised land than, yeah. <laughs> than it feels. Um, but I definitely think that show is very, very LA. And it does a good job of catching LA's pace, hmm. because I look at LA as a pretty slow town, compares, in comparison, obviously, to New York and a lot For of sure. East Coast towns. But 
definitely on this side of the country, it's the fastest city. I mean, it's slightly faster than Vegas, and Vegas has got everybody hyped, hyped up on fake oxygen and drugs, you know what yeah. I mean? And so Entourage did a great job of capturing that speed, capturing that pace, mm. uh, making it feel like everything was really crucial, but also showing how long it took to get certain things done. Because mm. that's ultimately L.A. It's a very hurry-up-and-wait kind of town. Yeah, I think with the, like the first three seasons of uh, of Entourage, they were trying to make Medellin, right? Mm-hmm. They kept getting pushed off, pushed off, pushed off. Right, and then it was terrible. Then it was trash, yeah. And, uh, you're right. And he had, he had um, I guess the first season, we never really saw anything, I don't think, but he had made Queens Boulevard. <clears throat> then he gets Aquaman. Yeah. He was the first Aquaman. And then they were working on uh, Medellin. It was work with a crazy director, yeah, and it was trash. <laughs> and then he gets depressed <laughs> for a yeah. long time, and then all his friends start blowing up. Johnny starts, you know, being a little bit more self sufficient. Yeah. Turtle gets uh, Mark Cuban and the Mezcal or Tequila brand or whatever. Banging Ronda Rousey, Eric, right? Banging <laughs> Ronda Rousey. Eric becomes an agent. Yeah, <laughs> and now you know. Vinny's the only one not holding everybody together. Yeah. And then, you know, it all blends perfectly. Let the liquor tell it. So yeah. it's a great show. Great story arc. You know, mm-hmm. you were talking earlier about like being overdressed is a problem, right? But also like setting a style is, is important. What do you think of uh, Jadena and his style? Like really? Incredible. I think, Jade- <laughs> yeah. I think Jadena walks between the raindrops. I think he's great. You know, yeah. I, and I've seen him in offices when he wasn't selling uh, music. He didn't have an album out and um, he still carries it. You know, mm-hmm. he never, to me, when I see him in person, he never looks like, oh shoot, you know, there could be, you know, a dog could run through here right now and I wouldn't be able to get away cause I was wearing the wrong clothes. Like yeah. he looks like no matter what the situation is, it still works, right? Mm. Like, for example, you see a lot of cats like wearing two small jeans that are sagging below, you know, sagging mm. to their thighs. Now, to me, how do you get away from crime yeah. <laughs> if you can't run, yeah. <laughs> right? I'm not saying one way or the other, but you know what I mean? And um, I've never seen Janetta look out of place, mm. no matter which environment I've ever seen him. And I don't, and I haven't seen that big of a range between, you know, what he's, the outfits he's chosen to wear in those situations. Meaning, you know, I've seen him in more casual situations. Obviously, we've seen him in music videos. We've seen him on red carpets. And he stays within that range to where you could never, he never looks out of place, but he always still comes across as, you know, one of the best dressed yeah. uh, for the occasion. That's hard. And, and he looks very comfortable in it. Like the style game is so on point. The club collar, the yes. pocket squares. Yeah. The, yet the fit is perfect, perfectly tailored. The tailoring is perfect. Yeah. Perfect tailoring. Yeah. If you watch um the video for uh um was it All Hail the Chief, right? He's yeah. really moving around quite a bit in a three piece right. suit, and it looks natural. He could be wearing right. he could be wearing a jumpsuit. Right, it, it's so natural for him to move in, yeah. and not out of place at all. I think it's great, and his hair game is tight. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, 
Yeah, he got the little parallel flip on it. You know what yeah, I mean? He got the beard and stuff. Yeah. And everything is, you know, and, he's, and he sticks to his roots culturally, through his art, his music as well. So yeah, I think Jadena. Nigerian-American? Yeah, I think Jadena needs more credit all the way around. From Boston, right? I'm not sure. I know he went to Stanford. Um, so Of course he did. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's funny. But um, I love you coming out of Stanford not wearing a hoodie now, probably. Probably, yeah. Oh, maybe athletes. That's yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, he's his style game. I mean, if you watch his uh, his freestyle on Flex, he's rocking a three piece. You know, like Jay said, he's got the club collar. Um, right. But he looks so comfortable. Always, and he never looks out of place. Never looks like he's sweating. No. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, his fabrics look like they're the right fabrics yes. for every occasion, yeah. you yes. know. So, uh, I'm I'm super high on Jadena. I think he's, I think. Yeah, I, I love his, his. Like I said, this tailoring, his fit is just that's how a shoot the suit should be lived in, right? That you can do anything in it. Like you said, if you go to run from crime, he can do that in that suit. Right. Let's say you get really famous and you need to run from your fans. Yeah. He can do yeah. that too. Yeah. You know, yeah. There's a lot of reasons to run. Yeah, <laughs> but can you run? Yeah. Is uh, you know, something I always think about. Oh, I can't wear them shoes. What if I got to run? Yeah, yeah. He's so on point. And yeah, I think I read he's well. One of his parents is Nigerian or something. He's Nigerian American. Um, but yeah, really. And I think like you see, you see a little bit of that influence in uh, All Hail the Chief, like uh, some of, some of the style that's there. Like the guys holding the uh, the guys there on the sidewalk with him and stuff. You know, it's mm. man. Musically, I I really dig them, but also just like stylistically, you can't can't deny. And I don't know if you were a Luke Cage fan, but uh, he popped up in an episode of Luke Cage with uh, All Hail the Chief, and uh, performing That's season Cotton, two, season two, no season one in Cotton Moss Club. That's the one I saw. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't watch season two. I had to let man. Daredevil's the only one of those shows that I was able to stick with. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I couldn't watch The Defenders. I don't like the one with the chick. That whole first season, that was way too rapey for me, man. Yeah. He was, the way he was controlling this woman's mind, I only made it halfway through. I skipped to the end. And I didn't like the karate one at all. Yeah, that Iron Fist. So, I did not believe he was beating anybody up. No. And, and, and they're, all their bad guys were so regular. Like, are we still going up against the mob and the yakuza and like well, this, what, are, though, this uh, is like localized crime here guys Vincent like, Denop- well that's what that's what that whole like Luke Cage one of my favorite characters from Marvel Kingpin's one of my favorite uh one of my King favorite bad dope. guys and Vincent D'Onofrio yeah. killed it as is Wilson yeah. Fisk yeah he that but that was through um Daredevil right when that yeah, Daredevil's well he Wilson Fisk carried over into multiple of the series because okay. so that whole ecosystem within Marvel, Daredevil, uh, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, that all happens in, in New York, right? It's yeah. this very, like you said, localized thing, right? And so the mob <laughs> right. and all that, that's why it feels that way. It's supposed to be like, like New York in like the 70s and 80s. I just think they ran out of, you know, production ideas shooting ideas story i mean not, not storyline ideas but I, either they had to fit it into 13 episodes but they really only had enough for eight and they 
stretched it. Uh, whatever worked for Daredevil, they tried to find a way to work that same type of, felt like same type of uh, chemistry into the other ones. For example, the best scene to me of all time was season one Daredevil when he's fighting in the hallway. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> they tried to do that scene. They tried to do that scene with everybody every time later, man. It was never impressive. <laughs> it was ne- <laughs> just let it go, man. Everyone needs to get their own thing. Yeah. You know, but um, I do remember that episode because uh, I did watch season one. I did not watch season two of anything else, but uh Daredevil. I didn't mind the Punisher though. Punisher was okay. Yeah, Punisher, Punisher. was good. To me, what what they should have done with Iron Fist was they they should have let uh, Riza come in and be like executive producer. I just don't think that character works very well at all. I, I haven't seen him in the comic books, you know, so I can't really comment. But okay, this this looks yeah. like One Punch Man. Yeah, so very similar, but in the comics, there's a much closer relationship between Iron Fist and Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Right, so I, I wish they had built on that more. They tried in the Defenders, but it was already too late. But like, I, I would have loved we'll if Riza had brought his sensibility of like Shaw Brothers Kung Fu to to Iron Fist Marvel Universe. That would have been like, a, I would have been like nerdgasm watching that. Because like, <laughs> I definitely did not believe Iron Fist. He did no. not look like he was going to win a battle against anyone. Not at all. But that, that's also <laughs> part of the story. It's like this, this like wimpy white kid who, who gains these special kung fu powers wimpy the guy's a billionaire <laughs> he shouldn't be out in the streets anyway <laughs> if all the of all the billionaire uh, superhero characters out there i would pick iron fist last i'll yeah. be iron man i'll be batman <laughs> i'll be uh, anybody else <laughs> before i pick iron iron fist because you talk about iron man he's got a great like you talk about suits, like not just the iron suit, the Iron Man suit, but Tony Stark Tony is Stark. kind of like satorically this this great, very sprezzator, very effortless style. Mm-hmm. Where if you if you contrast him to Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne feels so like he's forced to live that life, forced to wear those clothes. You know, he enjoys it, but it's much more buttoned up. I was watching the scene in uh, Dark Knight. That's one of the things I did at the beginning of the refresh more than I ever expected. I was watching Dark Knight two times a day. I mean, it reached default status to where if I didn't have anything specifically I needed to do or watch, I'm putting Dark Knight on. Okay. And there was that, because it's such a great film. It's not even really a superhero film. And But there's that scene where... Um, uh, Bruce Wayne is talking to... Um, uh, what's the dude's name? Not Alfred. What's the other one's name? I'm brain fart. Uh, you talking about Morgan Freeman's character? Morgan Freeman's character. What's his name? Again? Oh, um, I can't. I can't think of his name. But they're talking, and <laughs> Bruce Wayne is. He says, "Yeah, I think I need another suit." And Morgan Freeman's character looks at him and says, "Yeah, three buttons is a bit '90s." <laughs> I, was, I was like, <laughs> and I'm over here, and I'm like, "See, Tony Stark would never have that problem. No. Tony Stark would never have that." Pepper Potts had Tony Stark ready to go. Yeah. My, my favorite scene with, uh, with uh, Tony Stark was in the first movie, he comes back from being held hostage. And he's given a press conference. He's eating the Burger King burger, and he takes his pocket square out and wipes his mouth with it. <laughs> right. Right? I mean, right. that's just like, he just doesn't care. Like, you he know, like care. Pepper Potts got that all ready. That's, 
that's a you know special <laughs> Huddersfield Mongolian pocket square stuffing in there, and he's just like, I don't right. care. I'm gonna. <laughs> of course, Jay's got the Mongolian. Yes, there, there it is. There it is. That's fresh enough too. I like that. <laughs> I I want to create something uh, a hip hop themed pocket square later, but uh, uh, this was a Mongolian uh, theme. There's a special collab with Sunflower Man. Yeah. Okay. And, cool. Uh, a throat slitter so i wear this when i really need to feel gangster and, uh, <laughs> is that the one with the human head yeah that's the one with the head yeah, that's, that's, that's the like, part i saw yeah yeah that's like yeah it looks great when i go meet my competitors and like hey can we have lunch and uh, <laughs> in my mind i'm thinking this <laughs> that's so funny I, I like we uh, we interviewed the artist who who we who Jay collabed with to to make that pocket square sunflower man. Yeah. He was talking about the reason the human head looks so cartoonish was he wanted like a disconnect from the the brutal reality brutal of warrior to this decapitated person. Oh, wow. We got like a so new um, Zimbabwean artist and uh, we're gonna do uh, Shaka Zulu and mm. uh, Hail Selassie. Um, uh, Hail Selassie. Yeah. Yeah, uh, African Warriors and, uh, you know, <coughs> the Pride series. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Yeah, Jay designs uh, some really dope linings, a lot of pocket squares, stuff like that. He's got – Jay's a bit of a uh, renaissance man in the fabric world. It sounds like it, man. I, I like your idea of uh, lining with the album covers. Right? That would be cool. I don't beginning. know if I yeah, would get really – cool. would I get sued for that? So, <laughs> so yeah, I feel like <laughs> I am in Asia. It's okay. It's come, come get me. What are you going to do about that's it? That's how like, I feel. Like, look, I mean, most people send you a cease and desist before they actually outright sue you. So Jay lives on a compound know. in the middle of the city. They have to get in first. <laughs> right. <laughs> in my <laughs> very like, unfriendly security guard. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it definitely looks like a wall around his property. Yeah. If he's away. <laughs> yeah, it definitely looks like a compound right there where you're at right now. It looks like there's probably all kinds of machine guns right around the corner. <laughs> Last time I had dinner at Jay's house, um, we took a photo in his living room, me, him, and his dad. His dad wrapped a turban for me. And uh, like literally we're in their living room and it's like the only couch in this room that's bigger than apartments I've lived in. Wow. And we're just sitting there. <laughs> I gotta go check y'all out, man. I know yeah, there's talking a about fake a tiger in my house. So you can do like a whole Joe King photo shoot. Uh, tiger King photo shoot. Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic. <laughs> you do. You've got um, Coming to America Part 2 is coming out. You can is it really? Oh, nice. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Coming to America Part Two, shot at Rick Ross's house. Wow, we gotta get you out here to Asia, man. We gotta get you. A... I yeah, I mean, I'm thinking I mean, about you, it. I you mean, sound like you hate hot temperature. You, yeah. you uh, like you talk about sweat a lot, and I, I was like, I do. Yeah, exactly. I sweat quite a bit fine here, because because we move yeah. from one air conditioned room to another. It's, True. It's, like Vegas, yeah, like yeah. Vegas. Um, I definitely, I don't like heat with the wrong clothes. I don't mind it with the right clothes. You know what I mean? Mm. Like you know. He so cares on a different level, though. Like, yeah. you're talking about L.A. being hot. I always found L.A. a little chilly unless you were in the sun. Mm. So Yeah, it's definitely dry here. So Yeah. I don't remember L.A. much that. because I was high all the time. I was like, free? Legal uh. weed? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so, it's definitely. Yeah, it was a bit chilly for me too. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Everything yeah, was yeah, way yeah. too loud. I was like <laughs> <laughs> hungry all the time. <laughs> oh I never God. lived in LA. I lived in uh, just south of the valley for for a minute. I lived out in Monterey mm-hmm. in the early two thousands. Um, been been to LA a handful of times. It's, just, it's never been a city for me. It's really spread out. It's tough to, to for me. It was tough to get around. Well, now they have Uber and Lyft, so it's no problem. True. Yeah, they didn't have that back then. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's is- it's actually I've decided not to have a car since I've lived here since Uber and Lyft are here, because I mean, obviously it's cheaper since I work from home or most of the places I go are in Hollywood, but mainly because I don't want the liability. You know, I don't want to be stuck somewhere with my car. I don't want to be accidentally drunk trying to get home. I don't want to have to deal with additional tickets and maintenance and all this crazy stuff. And so I just pass the liability on. And if I need to have, if I need a car for a weekend, I just rent one. Rent one. Yeah, it's cheaper. I don't drive. Since I moved out to Asia, I stopped driving. Um, the same thing. I don't want the liability. I don't want the expense. You know, mm-hmm. very, very Scarface. You know, make seven, save five. You know, right, right. Like I don't, I don't need it. I right. can take. We have Grab. We don't have Uber in Asia, but um, anymore. So, but Grab's the same thing. I can take Grab in for like three dollars. Like I'm meeting Jay in like an hour. Right, I'm gonna take a grab from my place over there. It's gonna cost. Oh, like- dude, I'm going back to sleep. What are you talking about? Yeah, right. he better not. <laughs> Wait, what time is it there? It's 10:30 uh, uh, a.m. 10:30 a.m. Uh, it's uh, oh, wow. I had to wake up 7 a.m., which <laughs> never happens. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> Wearing right. pants at 7 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> Only for you, sir. Right. <laughs> Man, we're all we get, we're gonna do a time study today. This is adding so much to my street cred. I'm probably gonna get late after this show. <laughs> <laughs> right? There we go. I've Not during lockdown, me. son. Not during lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Are you guys? Are you guys on lockdown there too? Yeah. That, yeah. Well, they've probably, lifted some restrictions. But the malls yeah. are still closed, and like for the malls to close in Thailand is a big thing. Like mall culture is huge here. Huge. There's there's a mall called Cyan Paragon. When you come out here, we'll take you to Cyan Paragon. There's a Bentley yeah. dealership in the mall next to the Aston Martin dealership, down the down the hallway from the Lamborghini dealership, all on the third floor. Oh my god, <laughs> third floor. Yeah. <laughs> Upstairs. Upstairs. Okay. This is a mall. <laughs> you, you you like Thailand? There's a four okay. floor waterfall in this mall. Yeah, oh my gosh. What's on the first floor? When you walk into the mall from the train, there's Louis Vuitton, Prada, um, Burberry. That's all like the, the entry stores as you walk into this crazy ass mall. Yeah. Then oh it goes gosh. more expensive from there. Dude, yeah. it, it, there's crazy things about Thailand, like things that are like sort of budget, like bullshit food, like IHOP, right? Like you eat IHOP. Yeah. If you're not eating IHOP at three in the morning when you're drunk, you're eating at IHOP at the wrong time. When they opened I, IHOP here, they put it in the same mall with the Bentley dealership, and it was like a, a high-end sit-down restaurant. Oh, no. That's wrong. Dude, when they opened they the Taco first, Bell, Taco Bell had a long line. Taco Bell had a yeah. line for months. People waiting to eat shitty tacos. Wait, oh. <laughs> <laughs> imagine if they had a Waffle House there. People would go crazy. They just opened the first importance ever. Yeah, and for like uh, four months, you couldn't even get in without waiting for an hour to get a donut and coffee. That's nuts. Yeah, it's that's it's really weird. like all about hype here. Like yeah. that's why yeah. Yeezy also is a big culture here. Like because yeah. 
you know, you, well, but, but that's the same way in America too, though, right? For Yeezy, like people buy yeah, but not it, for Taco, it. But not, but not Taco Bell. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but not Taco Bell. I moved Yeezy. I was Yeezy, the, yes. I'm the one trying to keep this conversation back to the sartorial. <laughs> it's just making me hungry that's the problem it's 10 30 and i'm already thinking right. about lunch and dinner What's the movie? <laughs> what was that movie called uh demolition man where they had uh oh yeah everything was taco, taco they had a high-end taco bell over there all restaurants were now called taco bell after the franchise wars <laughs> right Great they movie. have a uh they have so Taco, a, Bell Taco Bell is luxury thing. if you read it in a French accent. You add an E after Bell and oh, it's automatically. Okay. Taco Bell. Eh? <laughs> I think that was Italian. I just did. Yeah. <laughs> the <Torah>. Effortless. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. So b- before we wrap up, Justin, I want to ask you um, for your top five best dressed hip hop artists. Top five best. I wrote this down too. Actually, did some research. I looked around. Um, are we getting these in yeah. order, or is just is no order assigned? <laughs> well, I actually have six. Oh, no order assigned, but I'm willing to put them in order. Okay. Uh, number six, I'm going with <laughs> Young Thug. Number Young six. Thug. I'm okay. a big fan of I, every time I see him. I'm, I really, we talked about him, you know, a bit earlier. Um, I think uh, like he's another one of those guys that's similar in style, I think, to the future. I think mm. that's a very Atlanta style that they represent. Uh, but I also like how, you know, bodacious he can get sometimes. Mm. And I like the risks he takes. Um, and so Young Thug cracked my list at number six. We're already starting at uh, a high spot at number six. I, damn, I, I so. know, it's Young Thug. It's Young yeah. Thug. Um, number five, I have Andre 3000. Um, because for similar reasons, more so of a trendsetter than I would give Young Thug. Uh, and I think that there's also a classiness that Andre 3000 always has. Mm. Um, whether it's, you know, ascots, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, cufflinks, you know, I've seen his vest game be really interesting at different points in time. And he, he's one of those guys who always looks perfectly placed for wherever he is. Um, and I think that, is a sign of great decision making and so he's you know he has a lot of great uh decisions that he makes when it comes to how he's going to look and where he's going to be um number four jadena for everything we talked about earlier yeah. i wanted him to be higher but i also feel like he's a bit monoline too i don't think he may takes quite as many risks as others but he's always so fresh that yeah, i have yeah. him above i have him above under 3000 and young yeah. you know what i mean and for him to be able to make a name for himself in two different spaces without having you know the platform or the profile of anyone else mm. on this list i think uh, is a tribute to how dis- distinctive his sense of style truly is and so i have him at we gotta get him four. on the show we gotta find yeah, a way I to mean, connect to him and get him <clears throat> um yeah, text me after this, and I'll see if I can put you in touch. I'll put you in touch with his uh, his team. And oh, see if awesome, man. Appreciate it. That'd be really dope. I'm sure he'd be down, too. He loves doing stuff like this. Um, what was that, number four? So, number three, final three, top three. Top three. ASAP Rocky. ASAP yeah. Rocky, man. Like, ASAP. Sharp. Right, very sharp. And, you know, <clears throat> I spoke at 
before I spoke at Oxford, I was doing a lot of research on uh, ASAP Rocky for a piece I did and looked at James Baldwin and all these things. I was looking at ASAP Rocky's talk at Oxford. And, you know, he was talking about uh, buttoning two buttons on a two button suit, not just a top button, top button plate in his Oxford speech, right? Mm. And so, which wasn't about this, but he started taking all these detours into tutorial style, you know, what is happening, what's more progressive, what's changing on his own. And so that showed me not only does he have natural style, but he also cares to do the research and he cares to stay on trends, he cares to learn about the designers, he builds relationship with them. Obviously he's, you know, the face of a fashion house, um, but this knowledge and his interest in it carries him ahead of the other four people that I've made, mentioned before. I'm not saying that they're not interested. I'm saying that he's the one I saw vocalize it in places where that wasn't the topic. And that uh, was refreshing to me. His vocabulary around style really is, is phenomenal. And like, like you said, his, his knowledge is great. One of the things I love about ASAP Rocky too is he can kind of get away with the, what we would normally think as over the top accessories, but he makes it work. Mm-hmm. because of the way he puts the outfit together. He's slick with it, man. And he's a nice guy, too. I like him. Uh, number two. This is a drum roll. Yeah. Don't you hear that. Um, oh, you can see it in the video, though. <laughs> Yeah. All right, number two, <laughs> I'm going to go with Pharrell. <laughs> okay. Um, because he is, you know, I think he is a um, – I think he's just a savant in every aspect of life, including style. Um, and I, he's such a trendsetter. Uh, and I think he sparks a lot. Of, like, I don't think his designer necessarily told him to make shorts, right? Mm. <laughs> I think he was just kind of like, hey, shorts would be dope. What do you guys think? Okay, mm. cool, do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that. I don't know that to be true, but I feel like that, you know? Uh, I'll, every now and again, I'll see him rocking Oh, there's a conversation with him sitting front row at some fashion show and he had on these Cazelle shades mm. and they're like, why are you wearing Cazelle shades? He's like, oh, Biggie wore them. These are more, I always want some glasses like Biggie was wearing. You know what I mean? So he's able to pull from different uh, touch points in history Influence. and have them, right. And he's early. He's early on all these things on time. So uh, I put him at number two. And that's only, at this point, it's just about preference. I have Kanye West as number one because I've watched a generation of people not think about certain things until Kanye started doing them. Nobody was really, people used to pick on Kanye's skinny jeans. You know what I mean? People yeah. talk shit about his Matrix clothes. They talk shit about his sneakers. Sweater. You know, homeless sweater. They make fun of that. Mm-hmm. The last thing they didn't make fun of was blazers, throwback blazers mm. uh jeans and retro jordans which is still a staple uh, so i prefer i yeah i pick kanye as number one off of preference and the fact that he is um you know his fashion disciples are now becoming big in one of the most restrictive industries there is the disciples uh, is a very uh, measured word there for kanye given uh, his state uh, right, you know, pun intended. So, um, pun intended. 
<laughs> but I definitely so, you know, I put I put him there largely because of preference, and I think that you see his impact from the people who worked with him, mm. um, helped him build his company, moving on to some of the most legendary fashion houses, nice. um, and I also look at it with uh, uh, that I think that he has a staple in a way that I don't know if every anyone else on this list does. Right, you can mm. say. The blazer jean throwback combo is not necessarily the tour, but you could say that's a Kanye West look. Like if you put on Louis Vuitton backpacks and jeans and a blazer, that is to a generation a Kanye West look. And there's yeah. there's not an obvious predecessor, and anyone else that's done it since saw that album cover. Um, so I put him in number one. All right, fair enough, man. It's your list. You can't argue. Yeah. With it. I mean, he is brave. I appreciate is. that you had answers for our questions today, Justin. It's, Man, uh, I appreciate being here. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a long time. You know, I'm excited. I'm excited that you're putting content back out again on YouTube. Is, is yep. uh, you had a dry spell? Um, well, you know, I have a. I've always had difficulty whenever I'm in corporate situations putting mm -hmm. out creative anything. Mm -hmm. Right when I one of the reasons I had to leave the bank was because it would take me two weeks to write an album review. Mm -hmm. um, just my mind doesn't work that way. I, uh, I'm a, difficult time working on presentations, marketing projects, you know, budgets, balance sheets, you know, models, whatever. I have a difficult time doing that and then coming home and just trying to shift into a, a different creative flow. So I had to leave the bank to do that. Um, when I was running DX, the only thing that I focused on, or the thing I focused on most consistently was building the YouTube channel. So all the video products have my, you know, uh, have me all over it, but Editorially, I, I was probably writing fewer articles <laughs> at any point in my life at that point in time. And same thing happened when I was working at Empire. So coming, one of the reasons why I left in January was to focus on content and the creative and get back into that groove. And right now it's about getting the algorithms back on my side before I start yeah. dropping. Yeah, I love, I love where you're at with the channel. Uh, conversations with Rugged Man, you're doing the debates with MERS, who uh, MERS took over for you on the breakdown after you bounced. Um, he did. Mers did a he did a good job carrying the flame, but I, I don't think DX isn't putting out the breakdown anymore, right? Well, they have uh, Paige Kennedy. He does oh, it, yeah. and I'm not sure how frequently though. I haven't seen one in a while, and uh, you know it's funny because and I love Mers. Mers asked my permission really to take over that show, and mm. I was honored. I think it's really dope. Um, you know, it's like oh man, I gave a rapper a job. Man, this is dope. <laughs> I, now I created something rap will be a part of, man. That's, I had a little tear for myself. Off he's a album. dope MC, like, too. <laughs> he's great. Oh, man, he's a top 10 storyteller, in my opinion. Yeah. So, um, so, um, so yeah, so, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's tough to make those pieces and tough to make them really great. And one of the ways that you can see it is that, you know, both Murs and Paige Kennedy, they have people who help them write them. You know, there's, there's staff members at DX who mm. do the research and write these breakdowns with them. And, uh, you know, so if there is a lull and a gap in putting them out there, I've been there. I understand. It's hard mm. to come up with something worth breaking down. <laughs> like, you don't, I mean, it doesn't have to be a, it could just be a long news story sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't have to discover something, you know? Like, I, I personally took pride in outlier moments in history type things with, looking at life through the lens of hip-hop and bringing in the world through bringing people a perspective on on the world through these rap songs we all love 
Um, but that's not something that's super easy to do. So I can understand if we haven't seen one from Paige in a while, but I think both of them are doing a great job with it. Before we let you go, Justin, I want to ask one last question. And th this comes, sure. you know, about, about style, but also it comes from your channel the other day. Uh, you were talking about this sort of separation of hip hop and rap culture, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you and I have talked about hip hop culture so many times. Right? I think we both have this, this deep appreciation in our life from different perspectives of, of hip hop right. culture and the role it's played. And I, I, I was thinking about what you were saying that there's so many people today that don't see it as hip hop culture, just as rap culture. Right. And, and it's created this sort of weird situation musically, stylistically, but do you think hip hop culture, hip hop culture specifically is going to continue to be important in style and lifestyle or is rap culture going to sort of displace it and push it out to the fringes and we're going to have to see something new evolve and fill the vacuum i think we use hip-hop when it comes to style for example i, I think we kind of use hip-hop as a replacement for urban and in that context no right for example you look at like uh cash me outside girl bad baby right mm -hmm. you guys familiar with her unfortunately or, yes okay <laughs> right now I don't know. I wouldn't call her hip hop at all, but I know she knows a lot of black people and she engages in black culture on Instagram. And I don't necessarily look at those as the same thing immediately as hip hop. Like hip hop had rules and covenants and tenets, you know, like you could be Patti LaBelle wasn't hip hop, but she was culture. You know, James Brown has some crazy outfits and he was influenced in people's dress wear, even if he wasn't rapping you can say about michael jackson prince you know like there's all kinds of style icons barry gordy you know uh quincy jones i mean of their era these guys are style icons who are around at the same time hip-hop was around who are actually pushing margins stylistically yeah. and fashion wise that i wouldn't necessarily say was a product of hip-hop and i think we see a lot of that with social media culture online culture in general i think wherever cool people are people who are progressive, people who are forward-looking, forward-reaching, experimental risk-takers, I think that their influence will always be seen. I don't necessarily know that, you know, what I see stylistically is necessarily, um, or if I would immediately connect it to hip-hop as much as I would have connected to um, popular Black rappers, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? And so, um, you know, and so I guess what I mean by that is, that's kind of my point when I'm saying what I'm saying about whether hip hop could die, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a population of people who either hadn't been exposed to or only know about this hip hop thing through the internet and what their older people tell them about, because they don't see it in the streets the same way, they're not at school the same way. Uh, online, you only see rap, let's be honest, you see rap rappers and clothes, you don't see a lot of break dancing. The DJs aren't really, they're not turntablists. You don't see a whole lot of graffiti. You don't see the other elements of hip hop as much as you see rap. And what happens when that population is like, yo, I'm hip hop, I'm over here rapping. And we keep beating them over the head with things that Ari the Rugged Man's saying or Lord Jamar's saying or, or my older cousins or uncles who point at everything and say, it's not hip hop, it's not hip hop, it's not mm -hmm. hip hop. At some point, Catch me outside, girl, and some new person is going to show up and say, fine, it's not hip-hop, it's rap, and I'm running social media. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure we're going to call that hip-hop culture infecting mm -hmm. or affecting style in the same way. Um, and I can see, 
I can see, sadly, I can see a future where people are making a decision not to be hip hop because it has a negative connotation and everybody looks broke, right? Like if, if you look at, you don't see uh, Kanye pointing at kids saying that's not hip hop. You don't see Pharrell pointing at kids saying that's not hip hop. You don't see Andre 3000 pointing at kids saying it's not hip hop. You see Ari the Rugged Man doing it. You yeah. see Lord Jamar doing it. No shots, no shade. You don't even see Eminem doing it like that. He makes diss tracks at everybody. No shots, no shade. But the, the people that people idolize the most and in volume are the ones that are embracing it more than anything else. And then the ones who are at a different tier tend to be the ones pointing fingers saying what is and what ain't. And if I'm somebody who has an opportunity, I don't want to be around the guys telling me I'm not something that I am. I want to be around the guys <clears throat> who are, you know, making the biggest impact. Now, when those guys leave and those next generation comes up, they're going to have the option to say this is hip hop or not. And I'm not sure all of them will. The whole UK is calling it grime on its own anyhow. Grime is its own thing, though. I mean, it, I mean, it was, I, Garage is kind of hip hop. Yeah. It, grime is coming from Garage. So I, I think grime. I think grime fits into the hip hop lexicon, but it's in that zeitgeist. But at the same time, it's, you know, it, it's a very UK specific part of it, you know, and uh, in my opinion, I am, I'm not the biggest grime fan. I have a hard time getting down with some of that yeah. one. Cause I just don't understand British people in general. So. Yeah. I can't keep up with their slang. Yeah. But I mean, grime is the same thing as not same thing, but similar to me to trap or drill or mm. I mean, there's always some subsector. Yeah. But at some point, someone's gonna say, "I guess I'm not hip hop, but I'm rapping and I'm paid." Yeah, well, I, you know, so Ari the Rugged Man, he said that you know, like people weren't growing these kids today didn't grow up listening to Chuck D or you know or Pac or whatever. But you know, I, I think that there's only one Chuck D. There, there'll only ever be one Chuck D. And during that era, there was only one Chuck D. There was only one Tupac during that golden era right there was biggie and tupac but tupac was the one who was the you know the the more socially conscious he was like the chuck d of that time and there's only mm -hmm. one kendrick right there's no one else stepping in filling that void i mean there was xxx you know that was a tragic loss to a yeah. community i mean I, maybe we don't feel it the same way because our entry point when i say ours i'm saying me and people of our generation our entry point to x is you know if it's through his music, we're not necessarily impressed by it from a hip hop standpoint, but it's quality music. And we're probably not watching him on the gram every day. We're not probably not watching his Insta stories. Mm. And that's the entry point where most, you know, youth, most people mm. in that generation are learning and connecting with their artists. So we're not even, like for us, watching Tupac spit at the media mm. was another reason why we found him and his creation so gripping. Right, yeah. we saw his life, but we could only see it <laughs> one clip at a time per, you know, um, MTV. Yeah, that entry point to these people and to these artists, you know, for this generation, allows them to see more sides of each of these, you know, creators than generally we're sitting around looking for. But I'd put XXX in that two-part conversation in a heartbeat for these kids go yeah. watch i mean he's got all this he, he went to jail for beating up women or mm -hmm. got arrested or whatever i mean pot got accused of it you know he went to that's the felony he has yeah 
Um, if you look at XXX's Insta stories, all he talks about is overcoming struggle, moving as a unit, being a team. Don't let the haters get you down. Let's mm. be, don't be afraid to change the system. There's a lot of Tupac ethos that's in that. Um, you know, now we don't see it in their music the same way, mm. but these, but this generation has a lot more entry points into something that's awesome. Very true. Good point. And you know, access to content, access to information. Net neutrality, baby. You had to, you had to do a lot of reading <laughs> back in the day to learn about the. You had to read album notes. Yeah. You had to read articles. <laughs> you had to, you had to stay up late, probably sneak and get your parents' credit card and order your video on the box. Like yeah. it wasn't twenty four seven. Let me just watch Lupe all day. Like that There's wasn't no the internet. Thing. Yeah, you know so. You know, we don't, I don't think, put enough appreciation into the additional touch points. One of the, one of the pieces that me and Merge just put out was talking about, you know, who's to blame for mumble rap. And, mm. you know, he said, well, there isn't a scholarly, you know, hip-hop leader, rap leader that we see coming from these different generations. And I definitely don't see a whole lot of that on the charts. I'll agree with you on that. I don't even see a whole lot of it in rap caveat. You know what I mean? But... I can't say that from an intellectual level, from a ideas level, because I personally am not spending all this time on all these kids' Insta stories yeah. to know which one of them is galvanizing an audience like Tupac. Like I just, I'm just not, you know, like I'm looking for it through my friends, my family, my team, my younger cousins, and I'm looking for it from a perspective of, oh, this interests me and let me, you know, learn more about it and talk about it in that context. I can't say this stuff doesn't exist because XXX should deserve a lot more credit for that. And I know he's problematic because of his history with women, just like Tupac. It's a complicated web we weave. I think it's, I think the reason why people like Kanye West stay so successful is that they don't get mad at kids and they don't scream at clouds. I think life is pretty good if you don't point fingers at children and you don't scream at clouds. Wow. Life is pretty good if you don't scream at children. You don't point at children and you don't scream at clouds. Yeah. That's beautiful. Justin, Appreciate thank it, you so much, brother. At the company man. man on everything. At the company man on everything. I really appreciate you guys, man, for real. Man, this I appreciate great. you so much. Thank you so much. Thank appreciate you. our friendship. Yeah. I'm you know, it's, it's been it's been a great one over the years, man. Likewise, man. I'm thankful for you, man. You guys be safe. You too, brother. Thank you too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.